Um, I don't, I don't have a pun. I've been trying to think of a clever one. Do you have anything? You know, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I thought it would just come naturally. Uh, but you know what? Um, I'm sure you and I can think of one on the spot, right? Right now. <laughs> has to do. If I was to cut all of this out, and we threw yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. no, no, no. Leave this all in because I mean, we're only coming up with this just tonight. <laughs> this is Jimmy Pod. <laughs> Yes. Did I steal your thunder? No, not at all. Did I steal your no, thunder? No, that worked okay. really well, and I'm going to play it off like I knew what was going on the whole time. <laughs> I wanted to think of something really dumb, and I just I was I was caught up with opening tabs and things. <laughs> Speaking of tab, you ever drink tab? I drank it once because I saw it in Back to the Future, and it was so terrible. I hated. Oh, it. you know, I I might I may have had one, and I was so young uh, that I don't remember what my reaction was to that. All right. Um, so I had a theory about tonight. Um, for our Patreon subscribers, we should probably do like actual Jimmy Eat World content. So since I don't know about you, but I have so much content to go through, maybe we do an extended cover session for uh, this episode that we chop out of the middle and just upload to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, what do you think? That of sounds that? good. We'll just uh, yeah, just pick a time. I think that takes it. a that, that takes off. S- I, I think I have this mental anguish the other way around when we have so much content because I'm like, well, I, I didn't do enough. I didn't spend enough time with it to really weed through it. So if I just go through all of it and put it up for Patreon, then then they get a little. There you go. <laughs> they get a little uh, Jimmy Eat World content. So you mentioned when we started and who knows when we'll start that digression that we uh, went on. Uh, you had listened to Ben Foote's voice. I did. Uh, so I wondered if we should just do that, uh, up here at what I would say the top of the show, but 13 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He had some nice uh, things and this to say is about his Rockstar. Reaction to mixtape. No, right? Rockstar. He just finished listening to Rockstar. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. This is Ben Foote. Hey guys, Ben Foote here. Uh, just finished listening to the Rockstar episode. Um, and you know, it's funny, the, uh, the German podcast that uh, uh concert was when i was when i was younger and really getting into the band i found that on youtube and uh downloaded every single one of those videos and just watched them on my ipad or not ipad those weren't out then my ipod uh <laughs> video just over and over and over again and rockstar blister and your new aesthetic for whatever reasons were ones that i just listened to and watched all the time so when you played that clip, I was almost like it just even just the banter at the beginning was uh, was was bringing me back down memory lane. Uh, just listening <laughs> to that version, that live version of Rockstar, and, and you had mentioned just kind of how uh, they were very consistent in, in in most of their live performances. They kind of played it the same, but in that one in particular, at the beginning, Jim does some really interesting stuff. Um, in just the intro, uh, with just sliding up and playing a higher registry and kind of noodling around. And then, just as a fun fact, I don't know if this is worth looking into, but at the very end in the outro, Tom goes into falsetto for like a second, which is just interesting for his style of singing to go into falsetto. The only time I've ever seen him uh, do that outside of that is is when he sings back up on acoustic for uncertain, which is really, really good. Um, I think he's found his falsetto, but... Uh, but in that version of Rockstar specifically, he goes into falsetto for literally a second, uh, and it's kind of it's kind of neat, kind of different. Um, 
so there's that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, also, uh, you had mentioned the um, that meme or challenge that I had posted on the Facebook group where Rockstar was, was a song of someone's voice I loved. And it's true. I love Tom's voice. I'm a big I'm a, I, I stand for – I don't know what that phrase is, the stand <laughs> thing, but I don't think that. I, and you know that already. But uh, but I think one of the big reasons is just the, the way that he writes music, for whatever reason, just hits me different than uh, than a lot of other songwriters that I admire. And I don't know what it is, but there's one thing that he doesn't really um, – the majority of his songs, in fact, like 95% of them, there's no rhyming scheme. The only song with a, quote, normal, end quote, rhyming scheme that I can think about is Action Needs an Audience, but everything else, he's got slant rhymes or he only rhymes in the bridge but uh, or in the course or whatever, but um, it sounds more like he's just... He's just left, so that's yeah. the end of his... He's just it's a teen or early 20s kid just writing poetry and then later on um, putting music to it. That's what his music sounds a lot like, and for some reason with me because that was kind of me just with a journal full of poetry that I didn't really know what it meant. It was just kind of things that were spilling out of my brain. And uh, <laughs> it sounds like Tom did that, but then just like wrote killer riffs to it. Um, and the last thing just about his voice, I, I really believe that in the 93 to 97 stretch where Tom was center stage, Jim's a better uh, now. But in that stretch, Tom, Tom was nice and, uh, and mature, and he kind of knew his range and all that kind of stuff. And I think that just kind of led to him being a better lead man uh, for that time. And then when, when Jim kind of found himself in clarity, uh, you know, he you know, took off from there. But, uh, but, I mean, I listened to the self-titled 94 album, unironically with my ring finger and middle finger tucked <laughs> firmly behind my thumb uh, just because I just love, you know, that punk rock voice and Tom's writing style and his, um, and his, and his voice and all that. So anyway, big fan, big fan of that dude. Um, and uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on the last episode. Uh, party on dudes. <laughs> Hell yeah, party yeah, on. There was some part in there that that it broke up that I was this is the second time I've listened to it trying to figure it out. And I think all all Ben was saying was that um Tom's voice uh had matured a little bit and even though even though Jim was sort of kind of setting setting or moving in on the on on certain songs and lyrics uh Tom still developed his in that short amount of time that those four years where we hear him singing on all these songs he had matured so much in that short amount of time uh but just Jim overall is a better has a has a better range I mean yeah that's what I think he was saying in that in that middle section there where it got a little bit uh uh where he was cutting out for a bit yeah um and a couple other things uh yeah I love hearing old blink bootlegs that I haven't heard in a long time. Cause I used to listen to them so religiously. It was like, Oh, who has this concert or from this tour and all that stuff. And you get to know like just the crowd noise and you're like, Oh, this is this song and all that stuff. But cause you get so familiar with the bootleg. So it's fun that we played a show that he was at. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it worked out that he was watching a show that we played that Kevin Brown was at. at. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Yes. That? What? Kind of crazy. And then, go oh, ahead. No, yeah, no, no. Please continue. Go. 
I was going to say. And then to clarify what Stan means, uh, I'm just going to play a little something and watch together real quick. So Ben Foote, if you haven't heard this song by Eminem off Curtain Call, definitely give it a listen. The song is called Stan. Uh, anyway, wow. Many, many a uh, spin on that record and like skateboarding around with my friends man. in high school. <laughs> That's, I mean, that was, I didn't get, I didn't listen to a lot of Eminem. Um, that one and the, the main track, was it actually called Eight Mile from that film? Uh, uh, whatever, no, no, uh, oh, oh, what is that called? Um, uh, lose Yourself. Lose Yourself. Yeah, so Lose yeah, Yourself yeah. and Stan were the two big Eminem tracks that I listened to. Yeah, I, I liked mine. Yeah, um, the video's really good too with Devon Sawa. Oh, see, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I never watched it. Oh, the video's bonkers. Yeah. Anyway, that's what that's that's the source of Stan. For some reason, recently people realized that that twenty-year-old song uh, is like what obsession culture is like today. And I mean, it's true, and it existed back then. But it's kind of funny that everybody started talking about it <laughs> again, like a year or so ago. Um, oh, so this is why I had a question about mixtape uh, when I was like, oh, is this what Ben Foote was talking about? Because he messaged me after because he listened to the mixtape episode, which is now. Yeah, it's live live now. Um, uh, but uh, he said, I already called twice this week, so I'm shooting you a message <laughs> instead. Uh, fun fact about the song. Taylor Swift wrote, I was only there to sing your song. What were you protecting yourself from on her arm? For her show on July 23rd, 2011, during her Speak Now tour, she wrote lyrics that inspired her on her arm for every show, and she chose Jimmy Eat World songs five times during that tour. Jim mentioned this in an interview when he asked about the relationship with Taylor Swift and said something along the lines of, that's when we knew she was a real fan because she picked a deep cut instead of just going with our more popular tunes. Jim Five loves times. tunes. <laughs> yeah, right? He's such a dad. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so I'll try to remember to look up what other uh, Jimmy Eat World songs she wrote on her arm for that tour and uh, bring it up on those episodes. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we always appreciate uh, we always appreciate Ben Foot um, stopping by and, and leaving, his, yeah, man. Uh, leaving his thoughts. I mean, I, I was telling... David, that uh, when I listened to this before, just I love it when you just unsuspectingly bring up something or play something that strikes a chord with somebody else, and then they tell you about that, like, oh, that brings up a memory when I was when when I was deployed here, or, or when I I first in this case I never had an iPod video, you know, I I think I had I don't even I don't even remember having an iPod, so I forgot that they oh. had the whole video. Those are little small ones, right? Were they almost like iPod Nanos with video on them, or were they? Were they the larger ones? No, they did make a Nano that had video, but uh, no, they were, yeah, the regular sized iPod, and then it had a color. There was an iPod photo for a minute where you could load photos onto the iPod, and then there was iPod video, and I remember on my 21st birthday in Vegas, somebody had one, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never had had any Apple products before uh, until I met my wife, and then she turned me on. Yeah, I think my first that I purchased was... HP and Apple like collaborated on a 20 gig iPod. Yeah. So both Susie and I got one. So I have, and I still have it. 
um, it's an iPod, and on the back, it has both an Apple and an HP wow. logo on it. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> yeah. weird? That was strange. Um, wait, you yeah. know what? I take that back. I actually bought my first, um, the MacBook that I still have that I use for uh, MIDI sounds. Um, I, I used oh. Apple Bucks from Applebee's. And if you could imagine, these things transfer dollar <laughs> for dollar, David. And I would I would work I would I don't know how legal this was at the time they were legitimate you know paper bucks that they would give you but you would work or do extra things on top of your normal uh, duties and they would give you these Apple bucks. Um, well, I would start doing I was the 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 place is closed so it doesn't really matter. I was doing extra um, labor for not labor but like construction work for them. I was refinishing tables because it's stuff that I like to oh. do. And they're like, hey, we need this done, and it's much cheaper. They would pay me in Apple Bucks. Well, I ended up getting enough Apple Bucks to buy that a portion of that MacBook from Best Buy. And wow. so that was my actual, my first, my very first Apple product that I had was a... a, a That's the most, like, non-Apple fan <laughs> thing to do for their first <laughs> Apple purchase is to buy it from Best Buy. I know, but I looked at all the <laughs> other things that they had there. Nothing else seemed like it was going to last long enough. Yeah. And I figured, you know what? I'll this will take care of like it took care of like half of the half of the cost. So that's awesome. You know what? I got I appreciate uh, Applebee's for that and their Apple Bucks, man. So your location is closed. Oh yeah, that the the whole oh, location oh. it went under. That the whole uh, franchise. There's like a four or five. Stars. Oh, Applebee's isn't around. Uh, no, anymore, I'm sorry. Huh? That whole franchise was. There's still Applebee's around. Oh, I don't understand franchises. I just assume when you say yeah, it was I mean, it was brand. one person who bought about four or five stores in the area, and they all went under. Oh, oh, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we've got um, we've got just tonight, tonight. Yes. Right. And this is track two of eleven. And the first thing that what I wanted to comment about on this track is that how's how's best to describe this? You've got futures opening up the album, and futures is yes. a good opening track. We did did we did we do futures? We did that one, right? We did. Uh, yep. We did futures, right? And I talked about how what you know this is this is the uh, flair that I have on my Reddit account. You know, I love the futures yeah. album, even though there's you know there's times when it kind of switch you know it uh, switches around. Futures is a great intro, but this is where I feel the band says, "Okay, we're warmed up. Let's kick it into gear." And this when is you such hear a banger, it's dude, so good. when you hear that drum introduction for this song, that's just bukaka. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's on. <laughs> So this is where I feel like the album really takes off, uh, you know, where they've, they've actually, uh, they're unbridled and they go into this, into this track. So just tonight is, yeah, you, like you said, it's a banger that we're, we got track two. What's of funny is I never, um, I never would have known like what the song was based on the name. And I find that with most Jimmy Eat World songs, like I don't really know what the names of them are unless it's like sweetness or like for some reason, five, five, five is such a weird name for a weird song that like meets up for me. But I would always, whenever somebody talks about the song pain, I, I already don't love the song pain. And he says the word pain in this song. This is the song I'm always thinking. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because it's like the end of a chorus line. Right. So it would almost make sense in my head to have the song be pain as opposed to a word, a phrase he says before the end of a line in a chorus. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it's like a weird one where I never would be able to pick it out by the song title alone. But I know every word to the song and it's incredible. I and I, and I didn't actually know. I So going through these lyrics, I was 
the chorus, yes, I knew, but without context, I didn't know what I was singing when I was going through and singing the the lyrics in the chorus. <laughs> I was scared, but the but the but um, then I let it go. <laughs> and when we get into the chorus part, there's there's one special line or specific line in there that uh, I can't even think of now that I'm looking at it right now. It uh, I can't remember what I thought that line was, and maybe when we're going through it, I'll remember. Um, sure. But there's one that I was I was surprised to see. That's what it says. Um, and I'm also interested to see what you th- what you think this song is about because I have a very specific um, a specific analysis uh, of how okay. what this song I, what this song means. We're gonna heavily lean on that only because there was nothing great on song meanings and nothing on genius, and I didn't read through the lyrics. So like while I can sing all the words, I don't I don't put them together as like connecting thoughts in my head so well i'll I'll try uh, to come back to i i found this this comment i have very vulgar things that i think about during the chorus that i probably shouldn't say yeah and i I was gonna say we'll probably uh, we'll allude to them uh but yeah yeah. i have the same i have the same thought here um and if i can remember i don't want to kind of i don't want to give my my thought away because mine's so just uh, unique not unique, but it just from what I was reading about how general a lot of the thoughts are on this song. Um, I'll try to remember that there was one specific comment uh, on the song meanings thread that uh, was by JP Wild 240 um, post. Oh, okay, so maybe we can give uh, yes. him the the dirty, yeah, the dirty uh. stuff. Um, real quick before we get into it, track two of eleven, a Gil Norton joint. Cello Studios, Harvey Moltz's house, and Tempe Studio. Now, I looked up Tempe Studio, and they recorded Bleed American through Futures at this Tempe Studio. And ever since then, it's been Unit 2. So I wonder if Unit 2 is called Unit 2 because they had Tempe Studio, uh, they considered maybe Unit 1. And he never even um, goes, he kind of laughs about it on the podcast when he mentions Unit 2. That's where he's recording this stuff at. But he kind of chuckles a little bit. Uh, Maybe, you know, because it's it's such a, an odd name, Unit 2. It doesn't really have any... Yeah, he ne- he almost never refers to it as that. Yeah, he always says, uh, 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 our band's headquarters. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it could absolutely be. This could be Unit 1, Tempe. Yeah. And then I looked up this Harvey Moltz's house, and Harvey Moltz's house recorded... Uh, a bunch of futures stuff and then a giant a glum album or no glum is the name giant sand album howie gelb uh and that's kind of it so i don't know who this guy is i guess i should have looked up harvey moltz but harvey moltz's house is one and is he in arizona or is he in in phoenix okay yeah it's in phoenix yeah so cello is the la location and then harvey moltz's house and tempe studio after the fact uh released october 19th 2004 on Interscope, it's a gym song, and uh, I've got two demos for it. Now, okay, so we can go ahead and play those first. So did you come across the YouTube video of uh, Tres Versiones? Did you get that one? That's uh, Yeah, I did, and I figured the third version was the album right. version. and the third version is the album version. Okay and, okay, and then there was also one from Metal Luke, which we've we've highlighted before. I did see me- uh, Metal Luke. Uh, oh yeah, 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 there. Metal Luke. And his <laughs> is in this in this three versions. Uh, his is the middle one. And from what I gathered in the comments, the first one is a trombino. Is is potentially a trombino session? Is that 
true or no? Correct. So the Trombino sessions were released, and I think we talked about this on another Futures episode where I was trying to decipher what the hell with these demos, because I have demo demos and then a whole session of Trombino demos. And specifically with this song, there are differences, I feel, that make the Trombino demo the Trombino demo because they worked with Trombino early on in the process and then decided they weren't going to go with him on this record and went with Gil Norton. I don't know if it's called, I don't know if it's technically a Gil Norton demo then, uh, the other demo, but it sounds and has lyrics that more more closely match the album. So I would almost, uh, and also the bridge in the Trombino demo is different. So let me give you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm so bad about these links. I never write down timestamps. Um, but hey, this is going to just be a monster episode. Everybody grab a little water, please. And uh, <laughs> and uh, strap in because this is going to be a long one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see. As I tell you at uh, a minute 30. <laughs> uh, so this is what I have down as the Trombino demo. OK, here. we. And we can listen. I think we should listen at least all the way through the bridge. All right. Because we'll hear the we'll hear a lot of differences on this one. The other one, not so okay. much. But yeah. On a piano back there. Yeah, I want to talk about that. This is verse one again. Right. Still sounds rad. Give you anything but you want pain. Never be the same. Never feel this way again. Give you anything but you want pain. Oh, 
couldn't stop you. The song is so yeah, good. I know. I figured, what the hell? We were, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that piano reminds me of sweetness a lot. Um, yeah, and and I wanted chorus. to talk about that. Uh, so you can hear that in the mix of the actual record version at two minutes and seven seconds. I, I went and oh, it's very faint. Here, let me play this. Let me play this for you real quick. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear it in there? It's no. it's very faint, but it is there. Uh, except huh. that the one on the album sounds like a piano being played. The one on the trombino demo sounds like it's programmed and much louder. Yeah. It's way more up front, yeah, yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah. which sounds like that, that's trombino's uh, gig, right? So I'm wondering if they took yeah. that suggestion with Gil Norton and then said, well, we're going to use that same, that same piano sound right for the solo and onward, but we're going to play it with yeah, the real Yeah, give piano. it the oomph in the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Um, so lyrically, um, verse one and verse two are identical, which is, that makes sense for a demo. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to say in the second verse yet, but we'll just sing the first verse again right. um, to fit it in. Uh, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, blah, blah, blah. Um, and everything is the same up into <clears throat> we're, all t- we're all tired talk. When it comes to shove instead in the demo, it says, as far as we could tell, we're all tired talk. It's just for show. If you want a better time, come out. Yeah. Uh, And then the other difference I noticed is in the chorus on the album version, at least in the lyrics I copied, I'd give you anything, but you want pain. And in the demo, he says everything. Um, Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, um, Oh, and then. The call and response during the outro is missing from the trombino demo. Um, the n- will so never be the says, same. We'll never, never feel be this the way. same. You never hear the never feel this way yeah. again. Uh, in the outro is sort of missing, uh, and it. I mean, it feels like it, but you would never know if you were the one writing the song. You wouldn't know that it was missing. Um, so I just sent you the other demo, and uh, this must be the second one that. where I didn't. This is the one of the three that I listened to in that. Tres versiones. Uh, this was the one that I liked uh, the least. I'm assuming that's what this one is. Should I go ahead and play it? My so yeah, I would assume that this is now the song more fleshed out. Yeah. Um. Here we pre-production. go. Pre-production. Yeah. Sounds like uh, old Jimmy World right here. Now the lyrics are right. Yeah, let me go over to this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the dive bomb. Uh. 
Yeah. Rick, baby. Yeah, baby. Oh. I love everything about those guitars. So then they double this for some reason. such a banger maybe i don't remember it being that good <laughs> <laughs> i imagine the trombino demo would be the one that you don't like more the I only thing the- that's really jarring about this is the bridge goes on a little longer yeah um well the quality which, of the trombino I, mean, I think that one's a little that was definite demo quality right uh yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to lay something lay some tracks down if that one was more fleshed out i like the the rock the rockiness of that it, one. It sounds like an old split that they would have yeah. put on the singles album. Yeah. Like <laughs> if it was a little, if it was split. a little clear, it might, yeah, it might have been, it, that might have been my favorite of the, of the, the yeah. three. I loved the palm muted guitars. Like they did so many like inverted power chords and different like walks. Um, I don't know how to, w- how to describe it, but like, you know, power chords down one over two and I count like some of those things as like inverted power chords. It's not like AFI almost like the bridge with the palm muted chords uh, that they do <laughs> in that version. And then there's that bendy. That sounds like. Uh, and uh, and then it gets a little noodly up on high up on the neck. It sounds yeah. like uh, definitely it sounds it sounds like they're channeling old Jimmy world, which made me wonder, like, remember he was talking to either Nate Ruiz or uh, maybe even Mark Hoppus where he was talking about. I don't know, like I, the last time I tried to write a Jimmy Eat World song was like in 1998 and it sounded so try hard. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, in that conversation, he talks about just basically whatever he writes is a Jimmy Eat World song. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, but uh, it made me feel like, oh, is this them trying to like write something that sounds like old Jimmy Eat World? <laughs> well, I think what they ended up. And it yeah, works. It it's fucking it, great. Yeah. <laughs> and they took that that bendy at. They t- they ended up taking that out or really toning it down in the in the the album version, right? Totally, yeah. Like I, I it don't sounds re- familiar, but like I don't even know if it's in it. Yeah, I don't. I think almost it is. feel like it, it. It's instead of that, they just they just brought up that outro uh, solo. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what is this? My VPN's trying to get me to sign up for something different. I already pay you money. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so I did. I did. Uh, so yeah. Of- uh, the song fucking rips ass. Yeah, and I, I do want to walk through these and, lyrics because I'm interested to see what you what you, yes. what your thoughts are. And I did figure out what it is that I heard listening to those demos. I was able to to listen in my head and and put down what my mind me hears. Me too. And I analyzed it a little more this time. So l- let's dig okay. in. Okay. All right. Here we go. So I was scared, but once I thought about it, I let it go. So once I, I used to, I used to think that he said once I thought I might have let it go, which didn't really make sense. Yeah. I once I, I thought I, I, I might have let does it go. This. Right. Yeah, it's almost like too many syllables. That's what he means. But what I think he's saying is I was scared, but once I thought about it, let it go. Yes. You know what I mean? Like once I thought about it, colon let it go. Or like once I thought about it, comma yeah. let it go. Uh yeah, I think the I is is uh, being generous here. Yeah, and that's what I threw suppose me I could up. grab the record, but um so oh, it's futures. Out- I don't own this on vinyl. <laughs> um I was scared, but once I thought about it, I let it go. So I the, Right, right, right away, or um, instantly, we're we're thinking of this person being put into a position that uh, initially uh, they were kind of wary about, um, scared of. Yes, and they've made a decision. He, once I thought about it, I let it go. So there's a choice that they have made at the beginning of this song that's going to kind of set the tone for the rest of of these lyrics here. Um, everything she said to me, I guess I ought to know. Uh, he had these preconceived notions about what was going to go down, right? And he heard her say them, and he knew it was coming. But again, that was probably the things that scared him, that he's now pushing pushing that aside and moving forward with this decision that he has made. Um, And then line three, we're all tired talk when it comes to shove. Uh, Yeah, it's an interesting... What do you get from tired tired talk? What do you get gather from that? Because I get uh, like no passion, like, no passion or certainty in what you're saying. It's just kind of, it's yeah. kind of passive talking. Yeah, and then when it comes to shove, so I assume it's like when push comes to shove. The push is this tired talk. We're all tired talk. Like we're all saying, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm considering tired talk as some sort of turn of phrase that he's using that means something like, um. Uh, going, yeah, like you said, going through the motions almost, um, uh, pleasantries, like, like, uh, right. like talking about the weather, like people always say, oh, hey, if you're talking exactly. about the weather, like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and then right. I think the last line sort of informs that a little bit. Right. So we're all tired talk when it comes to shove. I think in the, at this point she is pushing him into something or at least moving things along quicker. And maybe he's still yeah. he's still his mind needs to go through like you were saying talking about the weather it's like, uh, and then the and he's scared yeah so of course he's doing this tired talk right. of course he's like kind of dancing around the issue without wanting to to be shoved in and then almost the last line could be her saying to him oh yeah and that's exactly how I picture this is not it's not in his mind it's her saying it to him and this is what really kind of brings it brings it home for me with with my thought on what this song is about put up put out or stay at home and i think it's two different things that they're saying it's not put up comma put out even though that's how it's punctuated i think it's put up put out period or you know stay at home it's one of those two things it's either put up and put out yeah or go back home correct 
And yeah. she's really kind of just saying, look, man, no more small talk. Let's just get down to business. And uh, yeah. And at this point, I guess I can say I th- I think that this person, this the uh, the narrator here has 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 phoned and purchased a lady of the night and is oh i see that's i think he's made that decision to do this bad thing that he's he's thought about in his mind repeatedly and now he's yeah, got to do it exactly and he's made the choice he's made the call they're at their location they're going through this mm. and now in the very first verse we get into it like he's you know the wheels are in motion You've got to do your thing. That's better than what I was thinking, but yeah. <laughs> but again, I mean, going through the the song meanings, you can really you can get the vanilla version of that with what most people yeah. are saying there. Uh, and then we go. Yeah, this is like uh, this is like if you're sexting with somebody, but now they're like, "All right, then come over." Exactly. And then you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like, is this gonna happen?" Hold on. Yeah. Wait. What? <laughs> And then you get there, and then you're tired talking all over the fucking place. Oh, yeah, place. man. And then push comes to shove. <laughs> <laughs> and then then we end yeah, up... They're the ones that you're like, oh, Then shit. we end up in the chorus here where, where you know, you had, you had mentioned this uh, being a little dirty. I agree. We'll never be the same, yeah. never feel this way again. Uh, and maybe the feeling that he has is the rush of uh, this decision that he's made or, or what's, what's yeah. leading up to this moment. Um, I'd give you anything, yeah. but you want pain. Maybe she's in, maybe she's a dominatrix and she's into that. I don't, yeah, maybe she's into BDSM. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I know mean, if that's, that's a li- Don't yuck somebody's yum, okay? That's a little. <laughs> Especially with this next line. <laughs> yeah, that's a little too literal for me maybe to say that, that you know, I think it's more of a um, a figurative pain. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, and then a little water, please. I taste you all over my teeth. Talking about figurative and and literal here, literal here. You can take this how you want, yeah. but I think what you and I both agree on is that that something something went down, and he's got a <laughs> he's got to um, or someone <laughs> rinse rinse this this I don't know the the taste out of his mouth that that figurative taste yeah because he's got yeah he's he's got her all over his teeth and. That's the moment where I think he's realized that, okay, maybe this decision that I made wasn't everything uh, that I thought it was going to be. And then the the very last line of the chorus, never again, just tonight, okay? Um, that was it. I don't want this anymore. I made this decision. We went so, this far, and I am done. <laughs> I'm going to pull up my album liner notes that I scanned in because uh, I want to look at the punctuation on that line. And go ahead, because I wanted to uh, say something real quick about a little a little water, please. I thought it was a little wall of please. Which oh, didn't make sense. I see. Okay. Um, and then never again, I thought was never broken just tonight. Okay. So reading. I always heard him say never forget. Oh, just tonight. Yeah. Okay. So what does the uh, punctuation reveal to us? So I'm still sorry. I was, uh, we were chatting and I wasn't clicking. Uh, <laughs> what am I looking for? Where's my, oh, album art. Okay. It makes a difference to me where that question mark lands. And the question mark lands after just tonight. As it does from Genius, where I copied and pasted it. Right. So what this makes me think is that he is like almost tapping out with a little water, please. I taste you all over my teeth. Never again. And then he says, just tonight. OK, as opposed to just tonight. OK, it, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I guess you could read it, even though I saw the punctuation with the with the uh, question mark after tonight. Um, the the okay is almost a sigh of relief. Just tonight, okay. Like he's not even he's not even waiting for a response from her. Yes, yes, yes. He's just yes. saying just tonight. I, okay. I, as opposed to reading it like uh, just tonight, okay. 
Like, uh, <laughs> I, I do think they read differently. I also noticed that the O in tonight, so where they've listed the name of the song, so uh, Futures is next to it on the previous page, then Just Tonight, dot, 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 and I'll get into the dot, dot, dot in a minute. I'm sure people are like yelling at me on the radio about or on the whatever they're <laughs> listening to that I'm not giving I'm not giving in uh the more information here. Uh the O in just tonight is blue, whereas the text is white. And I'm not sure why. Have you seen this? Have you heard no, about I this? No, I haven't. Um so yeah. Well we do have and then the O in work, which is the the song after this, is also so maybe oh, all you know what? The disc the disc on the inside of the C D is blue and green. Are there other letters that are green? Oh, maybe it's green. Maybe the color is weird on the scan. Maybe they just chose uh, chose a specific uh, or just random letters to to light up. But I do remember the the color scheme of that album. You know, aside from the front, it's which, all the O's. I wonder why. Why the O's? Uh, future. I uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. If you know four eight four J E Pod, and you can let us know, please four eight four J E Pod. We should have we should have asked Christopher Ray McCann, although he had nothing to do with you know, the layout of the. I record, did but, have this CD, um, and I do remember now looking at those things, uh, and then it made it sparked my memory of the inside, which is it looks yeah. like a digital spray of blue and green uh, squares. Yeah, if I remember uh, correctly. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into verse two, you want me to get into that dot 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 Go after ahead. the uh, just tonight? Did you see this? Have you heard about this? So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on the demo, on the bonus version of Futures is a um are the liner notes the the extra liner notes from Jim and Zach that they give on the uh um on each song, little about, you know, about this song, here's some more information blah blah blah. So I'm making this image larger so I can see it. Uh anyway, the original title of the song was Just Tonight dot 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 sex you up was the original name of the song, um, which is just awesome. Um, and I'm trying to pull in for you. So let me just read this as best I can. Just tonight, Sex You Up. This one, uh, this is one of a group of songs we had been working on since the beginning of the writing process. It didn't change drastically, but it did go through a never-ending series of minor tweaks. All the way through the mix, all the way through the process, even through the mixing, we referred to the song as Sex You Up. Jim came up with that uh, title early and it just stuck. Maybe it was a tip of the cap to Color Me Bad. Even though we found a more appropriate title, we will probably never stop referring to it by its old, more risque. Uh, <laughs> what does it say? I'm trying to. Uh, uh, oh, Handle. And that's Zach's interpretation uh, of the song. And then Jim wrote a little bit about the song. I thought if we gave songs bad enough working titles, then we would be forced to come up with something <laughs> better. better. Too often, we've ended up leaving the working title. I bet lots of people do the same thing. You get to the end of the process of working on the song and have any uh, and anything you try to call the song doesn't sound as fitting as the working title. Even calling this Sex You Up, which later was reduced to Sex You, wasn't bad uh, enough. I ended up liking it. Fortunately, no one else was into it, Jim. <laughs> sex you? Sex you. Oh, man. I want to sex you. <laughs> yeah, see, that goes along with my, uh, maybe not uh, to the to the level uh, of where I'm thinking this, this song goes, but yeah I, yeah, I agree that even maybe in, uh, they were kind of jokingly referring to the, the Color Me Bad, um, Sex You Up. I think that's what this song is about regardless of bad decisions absolutely right? especially with a working title like that oh yeah 
Then, um, so let's jump into yeah, verse two. So all at once, the music stopped. The feeling went away. That uh, that music stopped. The record scratches. And I think at this moment is is what you can refer to as He's like a done. moment of clarity. Yeah, that's that moment yeah. afterward. <laughs> Is that what? Oh my God! Is that what clarity is? Yeah, is that what the maybe album title is referring be. to? You know, yeah, that, that whole album is that moment. Is <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming to that moment. That al- uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've got that line. And then an ugly picture, me and you, but nothing I can change. And I think what I picture is is two disheveled, sweaty individuals. Um, yeah. In in this moment, that if this is a song about it's infidelity, a lot different of a feeling after. Than Absolutely. It is before. Yes. What did what did yeah. I just do? Uh, but nothing I can change. We've yes. gone this far. Um, you know what happens with the lights back on, uh, which makes me think of. Did, were you ever? Did you ever go to a, a, the? Were you in the club scene at all? Did you ever go to what was that? Nah, uh, what club, was the kid? A few times. What was the Kiss FM Se- one? That, one seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's club one seven. I, maybe that's Hollywood what it was. Oh yeah, there were a couple of them on that area. I, I never did the yeah. hardcore ones, but. Friends and I would would drive out to them on uh, late on Friday nights. Yeah, I went to the arena in Hollywood, and I went to Club One Seven once. I think with my buddy Jeff. Yeah. Well, they would, you know, they would yeah. go till what two or three in the maybe it was just two two in the morning when they'd shut it off. But they've got these terrible fluorescent lights that they'll cut on, and you really get oh a yeah, view yeah 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 totally just the, the <laughs> it looks like a war zone of people sweat and. <laughs> makeup smear yeah you know what else it reminds me of is uh when uh cosmic bowling is over <laughs> and they like flip the lights back on <laughs> and cosmic you would go till what like two or three sometimes four in the morning sometimes they do overnight oh yeah you the know bowling were, they'd lock, lock in at we the were talking about ball. youth groups i did go with the friends youth group that did that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I forgot when he announced. It was always that. like somebody you knew. No, no, no one ever went to like a lock-in at the bowling alley from firsthand knowledge. It was always someone you knew that was like, "Oh, we're doing a lock-in at the bowling alley." You're like, "Oh, that sounds fun. I'll yeah. go all night." <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I imagine is happening here: is that uh, that they're they're the truth is revealed. Um, you know, their 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 naked bodies are <laughs> are displayed, and they yeah. don't like it. Yeah. And uh, you you don't look nearly as sexy as you thought you did <laughs> yes. before you started it. She doesn't look nearly as sexy as she did before you started. Uh, the less you know, the more you want. Uh, he's reflecting on his thought before, That's maybe true. when he was perusing the back of the, uh, you know, the Jugs or uh, Biggins magazine that that he was. Or like in Vegas, like those guys that stand oh, outside. Man, you're, I can see you. I can the, hear you flicking it right now. Yep, there's yeah. an art. There's Dude. an art to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think these last two lines, even though they're broken apart on genius, I do feel like they go together. The less you know, the more you want, you want, you want. And I think those are separated, but maybe he's kind of starting to fall back into that cycle of wanting it again. Like he knows that or or he's realizing that he's been in that cycle before and you just the less you know, the more you want, you want, you want. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily what's happening, but uh, I do see them split. I don't know what it looks like in the. Uh, on the liner notes. Oh, let me check the liner notes. Yeah, the less you know, the more you want. And then on that, on that, uh, on a new line, you want, you want. Uh, so this has it as the less you know, the more you want, and you want, you want. Ooh, yeah. And you want, you want. I'm gonna leave these lyrics open just to. Okay. Yeah, and that makes that actually goes back to what I was saying then. So the more you want, and you want, you want is just that repetition, the cycle. Uh, maybe that's why the O is is colored. Is this is that 
that endless uh, cycle is that maybe that's a, a a subtle undertone of this this entire album is that the cycle that we go through and we're looking toward the future even though we're going to repeat it you want to show on my o face yeah ow. <laughs> ow, ow. and and then we've got the <laughs> chorus twice and that last chorus the the little call and response will never be the same never feel this way again what i picture is the narrator got they've got their eyes closed and their hands up to their temples kind of t- t- reminding themselves we're never going to feel this way again. I don't care if I've, you know, what I thought of before. And if I have this repeating feeling, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to feel this way again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay. So let me bring up uh JP wild two forties. I think this might've been oh, on the last page and maybe that's why you didn't get to this kind of bold, bold uh, start. No here. one I'm was per- voted up or down enough for me to read them. That's yeah. why I just, and this it. one had zero. I'm always looking for the drama. I don't know if zero is, if you, if I think they all had zero. Okay. Then that's what it, it's not like Reddit yeah. where you get your, your handed, your upvote when you comment. Right. <laughs> right. And from there it goes down or up. Uh, this one, no participation trophies <laughs> on song meetings. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty shocked at how wrong most of you are. <gasps> yeah. Right. Bold. Uh, main character guy has some intense attraction to a girl, but she's self-abusing with drugs or simply living a dirty life. She continues to seduce him. She pressures him into sex repeatedly. She says, "Put up, put out, or stay at home." He secretly loves her, but she's too screwed up to have a relationship. So he takes the sex and immediately feels dirty afterwards. Uh, the music stopped. The feeling went away. Is an obvious post-orgasm when the moving stops. All all of a sudden, you're back into reality, and you have to deal with what you've just done. Uh, you know what happens when the light's back on. The less you know, the more you want. Probably means the girl likes sex with anonymous guys. The less she knows about them, the more she wants to yeah. do them. And it has one reply. Um, dude, with D-O-O-D, by Turbulent Time. Dude, <laughs> you totally have it spot on. Uh, and that was five years later that uh, that Turbulent <laughs> Time had commented on that. But uh, yeah, I, I think part of that is is right, that it has to do with, um, it has to do with intercourse. It, I don't know necessarily if it has to do with drugs, but... Um, I do think that this does take place. Uh, I, I feel like it takes place in a motel where, uh, you know, also going back to my thought about this, um, this guy kind of uh, calling up somebody in a, in a magazine or a publication and, and asking to, uh, to meet with her for, for just tonight. <laughs> this is, this is it. This, <laughs> this thing that we just had here, the fact that we're all, um, you know, disheveled, gross looking at each other just tonight. Okay. All right. Bye. And then he's bouncing. Yeah. And uh, you know what else this made me think of, David? This made me think of 976 hmm. numbers or 900 numbers. Oh, So yeah. I went searching online for some like noteworthy ones, interesting ones, and I came across some weird stuff. It was in a BuzzFeed article. I don't, you know, I don't really go. Uh, I, this was uh, from a few years ago. Somebody came up with these really weird fan hotlines. Do you know what these are? What the fan? fan what a hotlines. fan hotline is? Yeah. So Not- th- this is the. Check this first one out. It's the Corey Haim and Corey Feldman <gasps> fan hotline. Oh, that's yeah, I'm gonna put awesome. it and watch together. Yeah, check this out. Guess what? Corey Haim and Corey Feldman are giving out their personal numbers. If you call 1-900-909-3700, you can listen to their private phone messages and get their personal number where you can leave them a message of your own. Two dollars the first minute, forty-five cents each additional minute. Ask your parents before you call. 1-900-909-3700. If you call me right now, I'll give you my private number. Um, you call that number, and you'll hear a recording, and I'll give you my personal number if you call that, um, and we'll wrap. Oh my Wild, god! Wild, huh? That they were that they that That's they did that. Bonkers. 
Yeah, and it's one of those uh, $2 for the first minute and then, you know, what, 15, yeah. 5 cents for each additional. Well, I went down the list, and there's a couple more that I wanted to share with you. Um, <laughs> check this one out. This one is, uh, I know she had a lot of controversy that she faced recently on uh, uh, American Idol, I believe. But was it American Idol or was it, uh, which one was Paula Abdul on? Yeah, American Idol. Okay, yeah. I thought so. Check this out. Audio Entertainment presents Pop Music's new sensation, Paula Abdul. Call me, I've got news you can use. Straight up, she's going to tell you everything. Call 1-900-909-1800 now. Call me twice and I'll send you an autographed picture. You and Paula together. Just $2 the first minute, 45 cents each extra minute. Kids ask your parents permission. Paula's on a rocket to stardom. Call me now and find out why. Pick up the phone. Call 1-900-909-1800. Call me now. So all of these have got to be pre-recorded when you call on. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how, like if you, if she said, call me twice and I'll give you an autographed picture. Um, is there somebody on the other end that's, you know, saying, is this your second time calling or your phone number looks like you've called before? How would she, how would yeah, anyone know? You, or they I would just, assume they have a record of incoming calls or incoming uh, numbers. Yeah. Did you receive uh, an uh, a uh, an autograph photo four eight four J Bud? And I one last one since we're talking about musicians here. The listen to the uh, the double entendres in this one by Warrant. Are you, did you listen to any of Warrant's uh, catalog? Uh, yeah. What what was their big song? They had, uh, they had Cherry Pie. And Cherry Pie. Heaven. Okay. Yeah. Heaven. Heaven isn't so far away. Oh, okay. But yeah. Che- I know Cherry Pie from uh, Guitar Hero the most. Oh yeah. <laughs> But check these guys out. These guys are just having fun in the 90s. Audio Entertainment presents Warren. Yeah, we like to rock and roll. We like to do a lot of other things, too. Call the Warren Rock Line. <laughs> we'll give you the warm, hard facts on our personal lives. <laughs> our fans always come first. Just $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Keep oh, my God. You'll get the latest on tours, videos, and what town we blew up last. Call and hear a new message every day and learn how you can leave your personal message for Warren. Or anything else you've got on your mind. Call us and find out what goes on behind tour bus doors. <laughs> oh my I, god at what least that, so that one mentioned that it, <laughs> sleeping um uh it that one at least said there was a new message every day so call and leave us a message yeah so uh, at least there's some that kind, one's I mean, like assuming they listen to it yeah i mean it's before fan websites and twitter you know what i mean so like it was like oh people will pay us uh, fucking patreon uh people will pay us to hear <laughs> yeah. what we have to say about x y and z yeah and this this oh, last man. one i was really bummed that i couldn't find an audio copy of this but there was a bill and ted's oh my God. bogus journey <laughs> um 900 number it was 1-900-680-3443 the grand check out the grand prize the grand prize is a wild stallions van which i looked on ebay no oh, one's selling God. it um, I didn't see that anyone had won it and was showing it off in any in any regard. So I don't know if they actually shelled that one out. But the way that the promo goes is help Bill and Ted defeat his royal deathness. Your most triumphant answers to non-heinous questions could earn you stellar prizes. <laughs> this is so tailor-made for me. <laughs> yeah, and look at they've got uh, so grand prize winners get either the Wild Stallions van, and I, I'm assuming maybe and in addition to two autographed it looks like Les Pauls. The headstocks are yeah, the man. The headstocks are cut off, so I don't know if they're like an Epiphone. Of course they are. Uh, <laughs> Although, uh, yeah, that's yeah for sure. But um, also, I did some 
sort of something once and like it was like a big deal like we couldn't show the headstock of a stratocaster because that it was copyright oh interesting uh, because it, of the it branding, was like copywritten huh? so yeah exactly so um it might just be that that's why they cut it off they couldn't show it yeah, and if you look down, there's, and this is what bums me out the most, is that somebody has screen grabs from that promotional video, the the ad where they're promoting this. Yeah, open. man. Uh, and this number says 900-737-BOGUS, which is uh, oh. different from the one that was in the magazine. But still, I wish I could have listened to that. That would have been, um, you know, the, the cherry on the... Um, on the cupcake. There. Oh man, yeah. This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then runners up, the 100 runners up get the pro set of Bill and Ted's trading cards and then LJN's Bill and Ted's excellent video game. Most non-heinous. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I played that game. It was super heinous. Oh yeah, dude, totally. It was like isometric. <laughs> you go up like at these angles and yeah, I remember yeah, getting man. I wouldn't get past the medieval uh the medieval level. <laughs> that's right. Oh man. Oh man, that's that's wild. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, that's what I thought of when I uh, after I uh, deciphered or at least my thought of what the song was going on in the song <laughs> uh, playing games with death. <laughs> um, I watched Bogus Journey recently and it actually was better than I remembered. And I remembered way more of it than I thought. Um, very excited. I watched uh, as of this recording this Friday. Face the oh, music yes. comes out. and I'm yes. very excited. Yeah. And we have some plans for that. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> we have some plans. Maybe they they might come to fruition. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Now this song, this song uh, shows up in Burnout Three Takedown. Now we had Boy, I looked back because does it? We talked about <laughs> nothing wrong showing up in Gran Turismo. Uh, this one shows oh, up man, in Burnout Racers Three. Love this band. Yeah, and there was a comment. I think it was on the Burnout Three Takedown uh, YouTube. I don't have it up, but on that on that. Uh, the, the comment thread that says uh, this was my favorite time of Jimmy at World when they were featured on practically every video game. And I want to, yeah. I don't know, I want to make I a, think or Pain least, was in Tony Hawk's Underground. Yeah, I want to find a list. I know that they've got it probably on IMDb or something, right, where uh, it has all that, that entire list. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was, um, yeah, 2004. So <sighs> Burnout 3, is that PlayStation or PlayStation 2 at this point? Uh, yeah, probably PlayStation 2. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be PlayStation 2. I played Burnout Paradise on, uh, Xbox 360, and they just released Burnout Paradise for, um, Switch. I think I'm gonna download that. Yeah. Yeah, this looks like PlayStation it's 2 It's like a remastered copy. You know what oh, I downloaded on my Switch? That makes it worth. I broke that? out my Switch. I was like, oh, I should play video games. Um, <laughs> Pod Racing, Star Wars Pod <laughs> Racing. They remastered it. Oh, it's so fun. <sighs> that was cool. That was on Nintendo 64, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, and man. Dreamcast. I had it on Dreamcast. Oh my gosh, yeah, you were one of the one of the f- the few that had the Dreamcast. Yeah, I gave it to my nephew. <laughs> yeah, I put down on my. Uh, I don't know why I woke up this morning thinking about this. Uh, my cousin Joe had a Sega, and he rented from the local. I think it was Movies to Go. Uh, a Sega CD, yeah. which sat underneath it, and it had. Oh, and it yeah. was basically like a glorified DVD um, navigation where you. The DVD would play a scene. It says, let me know. I was thinking of this game. I think it was called Sewer Rat, where you're kind of underground <laughs> and you have to pick directions. But it says, all right, now we've got a we've got a, a decision to make. Go left or right. And you have to make the decision before the timer goes up or else your thing blows up. But you watch you watch playback of this and how crappy the graphics were. But they looked so <laughs> stellar at the time. <laughs> you right? know, just how you remember it. 
I feel like I played Sonic CD and I was like, oh, this isn't for me. I need to just put my cartridge in because <laughs> I was such a Sonic head. Oh, Sewer Shark. This is it. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, man. wow. And he ended up, you know how you have to bring it back? You could you could rent stuff for a night. Then you'd have to bring it back by the next yeah. afternoon. He ended up holding on to it. And I remember him calling. I had never done that before. He called up Movies to Go and said, hey, can you just charge me for another night? And I thought, you can do oh. that? And of course, they don't care. That's They're going to get paid. Tight. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I remember we but ended up. But then you don't have to pay the, the uh, what's it called, fee? The late fee, right? They get, yeah, the and they even fee. have a grace period. Yeah. I, that was the first time I, I heard about a grace period. You know, we were driving my video games back and it's telling my mom, Mom, we're 30 minutes late. What are they going to do? And she goes, they got a grace period of like an hour, Justin. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, 1992. Oh, man, they also had, Sewer Shark was also on the Panasonic 3DO. <laughs> that Was that the handheld, the 3DO? Was that... Uh... No, no, it was like the oh, size of Oh, that was Game a... Gear. That was Game Gear. Yeah, Game Gear was tight. Yeah, I had a Game Gear I also gave to my nephew. Um, man, yeah, what a great it came out October. 3DO came out October 93, and... Uh, oh, it landed, it lasted to 96. Um, was 3DO yeah, the one with Bonk? Crazy. I don't know what games are on this. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, anyway. Bon. I searched for B-O-N and nothing came up. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I, d- I rented like a, uh, it was either a Panasonic 3DO or an Atari Jaguar. Yeah. Was that what it was? Atari Jaguar? Whatever the Jaguar system was for a birthday party and like no one was into it. Yeah, there's <laughs> there were so many in the, the ones that didn't make it. Yeah, Bonks was on TurboGrafx-16. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm- yeah, Atari Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. Uh- Look at this ridiculous ass controller <laughs> yeah so i could totally race i could play burnout oh my gosh the atari jaguar i could play burnout to uh just tonight guaranteed it's not that's not menu music either yeah that is that is racing music yeah, yeah, yeah. and boy are there racing videos all over youtube <laughs> and if burnout 3 was remastered and you said it was on the switch burnout no burnout paradise is on the switch oh, okay I had so much fun playing Burnout Paradise. It was the only Burnout game I ever played, so I have no idea how it compares to other Burnout entries. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was fun because y- you could drive around if you wanted to, just drive around and do nothing. And then if you wanted to race somebody, you could. <laughs> wow. The predecessor to uh, GTA then, huh? Well, I guess this was after that, right? Well, you never got out of your car, but yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh, the last note in the guitar solo is so good and it's like a top tier jimmy world moment for me for some reason i don't know what it is but it's just going down that half step instead of landing on like the major note they land on the minor note and is it is there also harmony is there harmony behind it too no but it is the harmony of the previous note yeah yeah and it it kind of makes me think of um like the when it's all alone that note that but just kind of like the sparkle at the very end of the gym smiling at the camera does a little wink in that bow when it walks down to that that half yeah. step down. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. And also, this is only on the the album version, but that thing that he does in the very middle of the the solo where it goes king er go go. That's the yeah. best description I have of it. Uh, but it's the same. Bow, you know, bow, bow, bow. Listen to us mouthing this this solo. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's all. That's a cool part that you couldn't hear in either demo, and it really fills out that that long f- uh, four beat break by him playing yeah. those. And it sounds like he's got some kind of a phaser on top of it, or or some kind of flanger yeah. that brings it around. Goes, 
Really cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, what did I do? I picked something from some more information about... Oh, so we talked about Burnout 3, um, but it's interesting. This song, I don't remember this. I remember being at the Glass House when they... I think it was like a record release show or definitely right after Futures came out. And uh, I saw, oh, they played this first in concert November 6, 2003. But that's almost a whole year before the record came out. Um, so that's not the Glass House show I was at. I was at the Glass House a year later seeing the Futures show. Uh, and I guess I didn't look to see if they played it at that show. Uh, and then the last time they played it was at the Wiltern, which was a, sh- a show I was at. Um and that was September 15th, 2008. Uh, and they played it 105 times wow. since then. And what's funny is they only played it once in 2003. Oh, yeah, it says here once in 2005. So I did not see it at the Glass House. And then 12 times and then nothing, nothing in 2004, nothing in six or seven, then 12 times in 2008, then nothing until 2004, where they played it 35 times. And then they have played it regularly since then. But not since 2018, I guess. Wow. But uh, the song seems super popular. Oh, yeah. And how long is this track? This is three and a half minutes. But yeah, you could play this at the beginning yeah. of a show and just get people amped. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I noticed this. Um, this is just about the vinyl. Um, this is a pretty heavily sought after vinyl. Um, it didn't have too many. I don't think it's had many repressings because I don't own it. And I wasn't collecting vinyl like I do now back then. So the fact that I don't own it means that they haven't repressed it. Um, But there was a vinyl pre-order version that was limited to 300 copies that were autographed by the band. So that was kind of cool that I found. I found images of that on Discogs. Um, From Song Facts, I have a uh, quote here from Jim. Yeah. The song paints an ugly picture of a relationship that is rather dysfunctional. So maybe uh, what's his name from song meanings um, uh, has something uh, uh, is on to something. Uh, I'd give you anything, but you want pain lead singer Jim Adkins sings. And while he knows this is a mess, he still craves it just for tonight. And then there was an interview, I guess, that was referring so Song Facts pulled that right. quote, I guess, from an interview. Right. So Song Facts says, uh, let's take the song, one that I like, Just Tonight, which I think you still play a fair amount. What was going on when you wrote that, and what does it mean to you now? Uh, I guess I didn't look to see when this interview Yeah, it doesn't from. have it. I'm looking uh, at it. But, I can't find a date. Oh, okay. Jim says, uh, Just Tonight, what it seems to me now is like a character song exploring something dangerous, feeling compelled to a situation, possibly a relationship that might feel dangerous in a way. Like maybe it's one you approach with conflicted feeling. I mean, that's like the most lukewarm statement I've ever heard. Oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and let's see another interview thing I read. So this was a review of the record from IGN. It's a rather lukewarm review. Uh, and here's what they mentioned just tonight. But as for Jimmy Eat World, the music itself isn't bad, and they sound more grown up than most of the people they can uh, they compete with on popular radio. I can imagine these guys giving Some 41 or Good Charlotte a spanking, musically speaking. The opening song Futures is a crunchy mid-tempo number that sounds a little too much like producer Gil Norton's previous work, Foo Fighters the Pixies, but charms nonetheless. It's quickly followed by the propulsive Just Tonight, a 
run to you style tune that will likely be used in some upcoming action movie chase scene. <laughs> Both are good songs, but the question mark uh, but the question remains what distinguishes this from anyone else recording rock music today. So it's funny that they said that it would be used in some action movie chase scene when it was used in Burnout. Right. Um and it was released with the Burnout soundtrack a month before the record was out. So sick. Uh, I guess they were right on the money. <laughs> uh, what else you got? Well, I had um, the song facts. The other thing that I have is just from uh, a post about the song of the week, uh, Just Tonight being the song of the week. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I noticed that all of the regulars that we've mentioned in past uh, in past episodes all showed up for, um, this was JG429's post from seven months ago, Happy New Year kicking off 2020 with a real banger for song of the week. But uh, yeah. the top comment was from um, was from Emmy 2018, and she said, "This ah. is one of their best songs. I think if I'm introducing someone to their music, I always include this song as I think it really shows who they are. If that makes sense, totally. classic Jew for sure. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, Yaz Nasty was in this comment thread. Who else? One thing I think that gets lost a little bit in those song of the week threads is the person that submits it because they have a reason up top. Yeah." Uh, so it was submitted by Stegnersaurus. Oh, gotcha. S. Yeah, Stegnersaurus. Stegnersaurus. Um, and you want to read their yeah. uh, reason This there? song was my introduction to the band thanks to Burnout 3 Takedown. It was always one of my favorite tracks in the game, but I didn't grow to appreciate Jimmy until sometime later. Now that I can call Jew one of my favorite bands, uh, this song is still special to me, and Futures is still my favorite album. I'm curious if anyone else got into the band with this song. Plus your thoughts on it, since it doesn't seem to be a top pick for most people. I think it's still a great accessible song for newcomers. I don't know. I disagree. I think this is a pretty big. um... I wonder, though, if the title has anything to do with like if it were called Sex You Up, I would never forget this song. But just tonight is like it's a word he says in the song. But if this were the song Pain, I just don't love the song Pain. So it's like if this were Pain, I would maybe like equate it more to. Well, I you know I, I before I headed out here, I told Linz I said we're gonna we're we're doing just tonight um, tonight, and she said, well, how does that one go? I, I can't remember. I went through the verse yeah. and had to go all the way through the start the chorus, and then she goes, oh yes, I know that one, because just tonight <laughs> just doesn't ring any bells. No, and even even before we did it, I knew that just tonight was a good one because this was the second track on my favorite album, but I I just couldn't bring it up in my head, and then the you know that first the the first half of a second with Zach's drum. I was like, okay, I got it. I got the whole thing. Yeah. So here's a little digression because we're doing futures is I start looking through the liner notes and I'm looking at credits, right? And something sticks out to me that I saw on the Nate Ruiz, uh, comment thread for the pass through frequencies episode over on Reddit. So Emma Hutchison, uh, goes on to say how much he liked the Nate Ruiz, episode and at the end he says was also surprised that they never mentioned the release they did on jim's old label western tread now this very much will probably come back on our series our uh semi-unwritten history of jimmy world (laughs) uh series that we're doing over on patreon um but i did look up a little bit more about western tread recording um and they have a Discogs page, which has a ton of Jimmy Eat World releases, as well as format releases. And then there's Ticker Tape Parade, 
Ruben's accomplice, uh, Peach Cake, Less Pain Forever. And it's like all these releases that span between the years 2003 and 2009. Um, the Clarity re-release was uh, the, the last pressing, uh, the 10-year anniversary double LP, uh, was the last release from Western Tread Recording. But there's this whole logo. Which looks and, really um, cool. I like it. It kind of looks like is. a pick. Uh, kind of. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, um, and then it's... It's got like that old 1940s feel to it mm -hmm. with the font yeah, and, and the sunburst. Did you check out the wiki uh, for Western Tread? It does. No, I'm only on Discord. Gotcha. So it has a little uh, quote. So even though Western Tread expanded over time, it remains strictly a part-time venture for both Adkins and Levy, uh, Charlie Levy. Uh, okay, who's Charlie Levy? There we go. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. This label now <laughs> appears to be dormant while being interviewed by Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids during his Nothing to Write Home About podcast. Jim stated that the label is not exactly dead, but at this point serves only as a catalog of music. Yeah, Dopamine, The Format, Jimmy Eat World, Less Pain Forever, Peach Cake, Ruben's Accomplice, and Ticker Tape Parade. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, Levy was, in November of 2017, nominated for Phoenix's Business Person of the Year. And, oh, he's, over the last 10 months, the local concert promoter opened downtown Phoenix's hottest new venue, the Van Buren, with Live Nation. <laughs> then his company, Stateside Presents, teamed up with the Superfly, uh, Superfly to put on last month's inaugural Lost Lake Festival, which pretty much raised the bar for any future music fest in the Valley. So interesting. So he is from Stateside Presents, which I do believe is something I saw a lot on early flyers that we were going through with Jimmy Eat World. So I think this guy, Charlie Levy, is going to be added to our uh, Charlie Day meme uh, uh, mood yeah, board. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got to add a, a, a pin and some yarn to Charlie Levy. Yeah, um, and did you say that... Um... <laughs> Does MySpace have you seen this guy? He kind of looks like um he kind of looks like uh Huey Lewis. Oh yeah. Just uh oh kind of. Yeah, a mix between him and Eddie Money. I don't know Eddie Money, but yeah, uh, I'll buy it. <laughs> the uh my they have a MySpace page for Western Tread, and it's got oh. three tracks on there. One uh, one from 2005 and two from 2006. Ruben's Accomplice, LPF, Silver Dollar, and then Are We Accidentally at a Party, which looks like it's a peach cake uh track. Sick. Yeah, and they've got, uh, I mean, several thousand plays on the Ruben's Accomplice um, track there, but don't know if it still plays. Yeah, it doesn't, Probably yeah, it doesn't look like it's loved. <laughs> I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was. So, yeah, uh, so it, curiouser it and curiouser, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we got a so, pin. So that's Western Tread. And then I went to look at Turkey on Rye Music, which was the publisher for this record. And I was like, Turkey on Rye Music. Okay, that's fun. You know, we talked about publishers every now and again. So I look at Turkey on Rye, and I believe Futures was the last recording from the band. No, that's not true. So up through, from Bleed American through Futures were main releases released under Turkey on Rye. Since Futures, it's been re-releases and singles that have been on, I guess it's all the Bleed American, eh, no, it's all Bleed American era stuff, and the iTunes Festival MP3s that were released as Turkey on Rye. Since then, it's been, do I get a pickle with that? Which makes me wonder, like, those are like food related. Oh, yeah. Like, somehow Deli those related. are playing Very off specific. each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I want to know, like, what's the, 
etymology of this like fascination with deli food items because yeah <laughs> well they do do a light. lot of their business that you know didn't they accept uh from uh craig aronson uh the offer that he had presented uh to rick and the and and them but it, that was over breakfast so i imagine that maybe a lot of these decisions and, oh, and uh you know maybe somebody got a conversation <laughs> the conversations that they said, have hey, a- do i get a pickle with that exactly that was the poignant moment that they remember. Oh, you remember when uh, when you, when you asked, does this does this come with a pickle, or do I get a pickle with that? Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're what if they're these are like deli fun heads. Craig Aronsonisms. <laughs> they could absolutely be. Uh, what's another the dope, question? Uh, I wonder what's the dope um, deli in Phoenix. Oh, I guess that would be a. Uh, let's see what Yelp says. <laughs> uh, this would be. Let's look at. Let's look around Tempe too. So uh, deli. I don't know. I see Romanelli's Italian Deli in Phoenix. Oh, I, okay. But where were you looking specifically uh, let me look in, up Tempe? in Tempe? I'm going to look in Tempe. Uh, uh, Blimpy. I'm going to say that's not. Uh, DeFalco's Italian Grocery and Deli. Let me... Uh, not your typical deli. Okay, that's an ad there. So, not your typical deli is the number one. 729 reviews, five stars. I would go there based on that review. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they have a huge... Uh, pastrami oh, sandwiches man. or photo yes. there please knuckle sandwiches brilliant yeah man yeah yeah so like, that, I, that could I, be I'm a reason scrolling through the rest to see if there's anything fun like that <laughs> jimmy world related where you never would guess but it's like oh oh there is one called miracle mile delicatessen didn't we talk about miracle mile or museum mile yeah museum mile. okay <laughs> okay i'm like trying to i'm trying to 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 connect the dots man because <laughs> yeah ninth and ash is not um is not a deli so <laughs> right right that's casey's uh that's casey's yeah right 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 yeah well i'm gonna uh, ask okay, that's gonna so be I'm another not... that's gonna be another icebreaker for jim so are you into the, are you into sandwiches <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, schlotzky's is on here though which makes me think of uh old uh um uh, office space oh that's what oh, was that they go to tchotchkes, tchotchkes? not schlotzky's tchotchkes. yeah they go to tchotchkes and office space um anyway wow digressions galore on this episode yeah um for being such a long one uh so yeah the publishers yeah i I just found it interesting that turkey on rhyme music and then do i get a pickle with that was is what they published since then because yeah everything since chase's light through surviving other than represses has been through do i get a pickle with that (laughs) uh it's a flat minor a one a camelot it doesn't get any higher on the scale i think than that um and then 173 bpm with that 173 bpm i did not find a great mix i did try to mix with that brian adams song that that one person was like oh this is their like born on the run or not born on the run or whatever the run hell they you? said i found the brian adams song and it wasn't the same and didn't work because the brian adams yeah. song kind of has like an up up pick type of beat and Rave DJ misinterpreted where the one was, so nothing works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I spent, I told you I'd spent 30 minutes going through it, and I couldn't find anything that I would want to share. The last one I ended up doing, which I felt was the best, was actually Garth Brooks, uh, Ain't Going Down Till the Ooh. Sun Comes Up. Uh, oh, that's kind of a ripper. Like, Yeah, uh, it is. Like and those, I thought it was going to fit. It didn't work, huh? Uh, it's, it's one of those where I think it's got a little too much going on. So, yeah, I scrapped it. Yeah. That, was, that was the best one that I scrapped. So I did notice when I was looking for covers that I kept coming up the pretty reckless, the pretty reckless, which is um, if you watch Gossip Girl, Jenny Humphrey 
um, the girl that plays Jenny Humphrey, it's her band, uh, the pretty reckless. And I think I cut some live performance for them for NBC or something one time. Um, anyway, I did mix her song just tonight with just tonight by Jimmy world. And it <laughs> sort of worked. You could play like maybe like 20 seconds of it. All right. Let's see. How if we, that way we get a rave DJ. terrible oh boy <laughs> okay then it got a little bit i think she's <laughs> yeah it's too much happening well shoot dude um, if we're gonna do if we're gonna do yours i'm gonna do a few seconds of uh of garth real quick okay because i think okay we'll yeah, till yeah. the kick drum comes in i think that's that's, that's okay cool good. yeah And then it just gets it goes it goes to oh, trash it's bonkers, after that. <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. Like, the best thing was that that kick drum because it it matched it. It was solid. It added to it. But then after that, it just got it. Be, it became a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's so, take a listen to them playing it in 2018 at that show I was at with Addison. Cool transition. Oh, yeah. Though. I love the street light set. Robin has dope harmonies here. And good Tom harmonies. Never feel this way again. Give you anything but 
I definitely hear Robin playing the piano part. Yeah. Yeah, I do think there is a harmony there. I think it's a really low note and then the half step down that I am in love with. And yeah. Those pulling against each other really work. But anyway, I love it because there's harmonies from Tom and Robin in this one. So it's like all over the place. It's so fucking good. Yeah. And Robin gets way up there. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, where do you think this lands on Jake T. O'Donnell's list? I'll tell you, it's between 50 and 100. Um. And it's lower than you'd think. Really? Let's go ahead and do 79. 90. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. You'll notice three things already on this list from Futures. It's probably the most polarizing, pardon the song name pun, uh, album they have for me. My general opinion after all these years is that it's the album where some of their highest highs are accompanied by some really low lows. Now, that's not to take anything away from just tonight. It fucking rips. It's a tour de force of performance, especially by Zach, who I don't know has ever used more drum fills in any one song. <laughs> the solo isn't anything too special. Wrong. Uh, but it gets the point across. The anger that becomes the hallmark of the end uh, of this album sound is apparent in just about everything on just tonight. It also has its share of cringeworthy lyrics. A little water, please. I taste all I taste you all over my teeth. But like much of Futures itself, the good far outweighs the bad. I don't know that that's cringe. No way. But, um, I think that's probably a, a, uh, just titillating. Yeah, that's a that's a great <laughs> word for it. Yeah, I would say that's what that's what it's more like than uh, than cringe. Maybe he's just yeah. uncomfortable with that thought in his head. <laughs> yeah. If if he has the same thought, this guy. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna uh, finish what you were gonna say about Jake T. O'Donnell. Oh, I was just uh, maybe he's. Um, Maybe he's looking at it as, I mean, not in that same, I don't know, I guess not not the same pathway that we're kind of going with this. Uh, I, I don't know why he would think that that's cringeworthy, that that line there. And why doesn't he like the guitar solo? I'm going to have to disagree with Jake T. O'Donnell on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and putting it at 90. I don't know where I'd rank it in the top 100, but uh, I think higher than 90. Yeah, definitely. Um, wise Guy Um mentions it, but it's not his recommended futures track. He's the guy on Reddit that is uh giving uh uh people who've never heard Jimmy Eat World should listen to these tracks. Um and he mentioned it as another rocker on the record versus ballads like Drugs or Me. Um uh so yeah, it at least got mentioned there. And uh okay. let's see, what else do I have? Go ahead. No, I I didn't have anything. I was just Hewing up my, my links I, I have here. a few. Oh, OK, I have a few other things from community. Uh, one is on Facebook. Uh, Wyatt Lewis started a conversation uh, about um, the best guitar riff from the band. And he's got just tonight up there, which I think, I is think that's there. a pretty it's uh, a contender. It is definitely a contender. Yeah, he's got the breakdown from what would I say to you now or the ending of congratulations also up there as his favorite guitar riffs now. I don't know. Is just tonight better than futures? Like futures is pretty iconic, but just tonight is a, such a ripper. I'd say it, it, it is a, a uh, formidable rival to futures, but I don't know. Futures comes out swinging so hard, but that's Wyatt Lewis in the Facebook group. Um, Heidi 
Mahoro May in the Facebook group uh, says, oh, any other old boardies remember just tonight's working title, Sex You? <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a couple of uh, people in here uh, that commented. Nicole Thibault says, I think it's in the notes on the deluxe version of Futures, too. I thought about I thought uh, though I thought it was sex you up. Definitely been a while, so I could be remembering wrong. And Naomi Sinha says not from the message boards, but I saw it in an Instagram post from one of the boys. So we'd have to find that Instagram post. I meant to look for that and I didn't. Um, but apparently somewhere in an Instagram post from the boys, they mentioned uh, sex you. And then Mark Rowden says, ha ha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you mention Wyatt Lewis at all? Yeah, he was the first guy. Did you? But uh, that did, I'd mentioned. Uh, yeah. So he said one of my favorite solos from Jude. Did you see his video though? I have him in my uh, cover section. Oh, okay. All right. I'll leave it. I'll leave it real quick. Them. No, it's it's okay. Oh, okay. Well, shoot. I got him queued yeah, up. I, all right. Here we go. Here's 38 seconds of yeah, Wyatt yeah. Lewis playing this solo here. So good. There's that note, man. Oh, it's so good. Oof. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. I've also got. Uh, oh, I'm in the wrong browser. That's why. Uh, Martin Avi Marvin Avila Avila says some people say uh, video games aren't a valid way to discover music, but honestly, I would never have become such a big Jimmy World fan if not for video games. I'd obviously heard the middle growing up, but it kind of blew them off as a one hit wonder. But then after hearing pain in Tony Hawk in a Tony Hawk <laughs> game, just tonight in a burnout game and bleed American in a guitar hero game and loving all of them, I knew they were le legit and finally took a deep dive a decade late. So that was Martin <laughs> Marvin Avila discovering Jimmy world through video games. Uh, and then I think this might be, uh, no, I got a couple more. So Matt, Rogowski from the Facebook group says, uh, of course, I, I think he goes on a long diatribe. Yeah. Is there a certain style of song that is the main reason you're a fan of this band? And it, it seems that he mostly prefers the slower songs. Um, but specifically about just tonight, it will always be my first song. Uh, Ooh. so it seems that that was how he discovered it. Uh, or is his favorite song. I can't tell. Um, by the context clues of what I copied and pasted. <laughs> um, but he puts it up there with Bleed American, A Praise Chorus, and Sweetness, uh, which are classics. And uh, and then he's got Pass the Baby and Congratulations and Big Casino. So those are the big uh, bangers that he likes. And then he says, but the reason I love the band is for songs like uh, Kill, For Me This Is Heaven, Cautioners, and Ten. So he was starting a conversation about uh, what is there a certain style of song yeah. that's why everybody loves the band uh and then finally there's this guy what's his name joe hayes uh that posted a ticket stub from october 17th 2019 uh 
at the lead mill in Sheffield. Uh, so that must have been only a, when was my show? My show was, oh, 2018. That's why. Um, but the reason I mentioned this ticket stub was because he says just tonight and he posted the <laughs> ticket stub. So with the, this uh, is how my, uh, search terms work. Yeah. yeah the hard rock, uh, emoji. <laughs> totally. Can't wait to see the guys again. Just tonight. Um, so now we can get into some more videos before we really get into covers. Cause I got so much stuff and at some point we can just cut some of the stuff and put it up on Patreon. Um, because there's just so much of it, and we're already almost two hours into the episode. Right. But check out what I've got, because it's been a while. <laughs> Let me know if you found this from Shiloh Saves the Day or something like that. Bet. Sounds so good. Oh, yeah. And it so had the a, artwork that this has. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm <laughs> looking at them right now. 404 error. The uh I, I don't know why people don't like that. Yeah, I you know, I'm not looking at the Nightcore? Well, just that specific one. If you look at the ratings, and we're look we're both in watch together, so we don't see them. But I think the the, oh. the the likes and dislikes, they were it was just so so many more dislikes than I was expecting for this. Because it it, oh, it that's rips at twice the speed. <laughs> yeah, man. You know? Um and I have in my head, who do you have as doing what in this song? If this is the band that we're looking at in the, in the uh, well, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of a, a a teenage version of Alvin and the Chipmunks is what I'm picturing. Oh, who do I you, see. Who do you see? Uh, so I'm 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 appropriating these people in this image to the band members that are singing uh, since it's like on a higher register that. So it's the red hair chick is the singer, lead singer, guitarist. And then the tom of this band is the leather jacket on the left. And then um, I'm just going to put drums uh, yeah. uh, to the other <laughs> oh, I got to the other one over on uh, on the right side. So Rick doesn't really maybe Rick is that red uh, thing in the background. <laughs> he's he's, he's, um, uh, he's got a name. He's like a R.I.C.K. Yeah, he's just. Yeah, they've got. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Really uh, intense, um, cyborg, <laughs> cyber kinetic. <laughs> yeah, killer. <laughs> I see. He's got two Ks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really uh, like that. I, I, you know, I, I get a kick. Sometimes Nightcore is a little bit, uh, yeah, you hit or miss. But this one's for me, I like it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Then I came across this, which was Kilroy Mix, which I did not watch. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, uploaded by Kilroy. It is a Kilroy mix. Oh, I had this down as decor. Where did you have I had this? this down as after this. So I had first, the last one is Nightcore with three exclamation marks. And then this one is decor with three question marks. <laughs> oh, let's take a listen. Maybe, huh?
I'm going to say with all of the stock Final Cut Pro overlays that this person's using, they're just beginning their online YouTube remix career. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of a, but I liked how he took a part from later in the song, made it the intro. That seems like a good like remix type of thing to do. I don't know. It was interesting. Um, did you see this guy? I couldn't believe how much I loved it. It's called Dance Run by Aldo. Did you see the dance run? That doesn't sound familiar. I don't think I did. This is so bizarre, and I love it. Dance running. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I would have face planted by now. How is this guy? I mean, I imagine this is his thing, but. He is. On a what looks like a bike path near a very, very busy road <laughs> in like, you know, shorts and like got the armband and his headphones in and everything. But somebody is filming him doing this. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool. Um, and he's dance running. It's exactly what you think it is. I don't now when I do take my walks in Burbank um, <laughs> at lunch, I'll do stuff like this. But usually I'm like playing guitar or playing bass or, or uh, drums or something. And I'll do that in the alley, like before I hit like a main road. But <laughs> and this, this guy's making eye contact with all, all the drivers. Out. Yeah, man. It's he's having the the best time. How can he not smile, man? It's so good. So good. How can he not run or smile, Aldo? I mean, my body doesn't look like that. (laughs) I can't imagine that that's how he maintains uh, that appearance is by doing the dance run only. He's got to be an avid uh, runner. Now, one of my favorite things about going to Vegas as a kid was going to see all the bonkers arcade games that they just didn't have at like our local bowling alley or Malibu Castle or anything. Um and this definitely falls under that realm of like, what even is this game? Check this out. <laughs> oh, Osu. Whoa. 
like is it a touchscreen interface like yeah what that's are, what it seems like and you just have this? to know where it's going to show up and then either do a swipe a tap or i don't know what else you can so it do. says osu b1596 dreaming world just tonight hard auto hmm. yeah i don't know man it's cool though it's like it's like definitely a game i would have wasted two or three servings of quarters past what i should have before i realized i wasn't good at it so it's not a new it's an older game it's from 2007 uh osu is a rhythm game is it called osu yeah with an exclamation mark uh is a rhythm game primarily developed published and created by dean herbert uh, released for microsoft windows but has been ported uh, oh it has an active esports community and is also sometimes recommended by pro players of other games to practice or warm up huh Wow, Man. look at that. So wait, if it's on Windows, is it for touchscreen or is it for like, you got to click a mouse that fast? Ooh, so 2007, I want to say that that's when Windows 8 came out. And that's when they had those the little tablet, that 8.1, that RT. So probably on that little, mm. um, whatever that, that Windows tablet was that came out. It's so funny because like between XP and 10 were 7 and 8 and 8.1 and i feel yeah. like i was always championing 7 uh, no i never championed 7 7 i never liked but 8 i was like no guys windows 8 is pretty good and then 8.1 came out and i was like yeah all that stuff you hated about windows 8 it's better now like i've been telling people <laughs> windows is pretty good for a long time i feel like well i'm the opposite i actually liked 7 better than 8 uh and we really? ended up going from 7 up to 10 because i wanted to, i just I said screw 8 and 8.1 i didn't like it at all yeah um I do love Windows 10, though. Yeah. Yeah. When I have to use it, it's um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, let's, I'm not a Windows guy, okay? Don't, don't like, uh, dox <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Mac guy, all right? Trust me. Um, <laughs> I won't hold it against you. I have a Windows. I have a couple Windows machines. My Plex server is a Windows machine. And then my workhorse computer here at home uh, before quarantine. Now I have an iMac here right now. But um, my workhorse computer here at home, uh, I switched to PC. Um, and uh, for what I do, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so here is a full band. Is this Garage Band or uh, yeah. what's the other one? Uh, rock rock band. band. This is Rock Band. So it's a mod. Uh, so I'm sure <laughs> it's just going to sound like the song. But we can see how they play uh, on this audio medium. It's fast, right? Now, I'm the very, vocal thing is like mesmerizing. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm intrigued. Is this did you find is this an actual it says custom full band. Does somebody I'm you know I know that there's a there's an entire uh community about um rock band this whole thing. I mean, still going on. Very very big. But does somebody program all of those movements like when they came together we're all um you know when they sing uh geez we're all tired talk when it comes to shove. They came right. together and did that that part of the harmony, right? But if it's a custom, I, I guess I don't understand how it's set up. How does it know if you're doing it right? Yeah. Uh, so this is Elite Rhythm Gaming 2. They posted this, who I think we've seen their page before. 
And it then says, Septeca, formerly Bears Unlimited, is awesome. Go subscribe to him, Brendan. So I assume that this was programmed wow. by Septeca wow. or something. I don't know, man. Um, respect. Well, yeah. 30 seconds and in. And a lot I of the watch- comments say, yeah, a lot of the comments say, this song brings back memory memories of Burnout 3. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was better. I thought it was just going to be, uh, you know, the band kind of just doing their thing in the background, but no, that's uh, that was pretty much yeah, they were right. singing the song. Yeah. All right, and then my last pre-cover video, I think. Let's scroll around here. <laughs> oh, I do have. Uh, uh, there were so many anime music videos. I just did. I couldn't. I couldn't this week. Um, and then there is there's some movie called Ginger Snaps that I've heard about a couple times. Somebody cut a montage. You know, we'll watch a little bit of this. Um, a fan montage, an FMV from footage of Ginger. crazy um so yeah, just man. to describe what happened there um it it kind of <laughs> it jumped between uh, the scene of somebody getting rattled on a bed like pushed around right and then it goes to somebody yeah. dropping a carton of milk and a girl coming in with a knife saying stay away from me slipping on the milk and cracking her head and assuming what the hell just happened yeah. no clue yeah well you know i guess we'll have to watch ginger, ginger snaps. snaps that in one tree hill maybe that was ginger <laughs> she snapped for sure yeah man uh all right and this is so endearing somebody filmed so you know lots of there's tons of videos that i'm not gonna play of people playing a video game with the song playing lots of burnout three i guess i played that bonkers video game but like a lot of like people making their own music videos with like modern warfare and stuff like that this person really wanted to create a just tonight video game mashup so the way they went about it is so endearing and cute random game clip is the name of the video (laughs) now they just hit play on the video but they're filming their television screen with their phone and are now playing the song on a boombox in the room (laughs) and their actions on the game are matching uh the beats that's cool. So this looks like a a mix of like a car racing and then rock band, right? I guess, cool. right? Yeah. They just go through the roadblocks to the beat. I mean, if you're going to listen to music, this actually kind of it makes it more intense. Totally. I didn't get that they were synced up. I thought they were playing one video game, unrelated, and then in the room that they're in, like hit play on their cassette tick. Well, I don't know. Maybe they did. Well, I don't know about that. That'd be that'd be some uh, intense synchronization. But it does say in the bottom. It does say just tonight uh, in the game. Whatever they have. Interesting. Yeah, I can't tell. It's hard to see in that. I mean, what's what they're recording when? Why it's. It looks like maybe it's Audio Surf Two. Okay, is the game. Yeah, weird. Hmm. Audio Surf 2. That's it. There you go. 
Wow, nine out of ten. Fifteen bucks. It's a Do they have a Switch version? <laughs> it's on Steam. I don't know if they port that stuff over. I don't think oh, so. I don't fuck over. I don't fuck with Steam. That's too confusing. Uh <laughs> all right. Last thing. You got uh you got uh Robo Voice queued up. <laughs> um give me a sec, uh Vamp for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um I wasn't I wasn't planning on it. Let's see. I mean Lenora has has uh, reared her head, her lovely head, um, for just tonight. Yeah, let me see the text to speech robot. Thank you very much. All right, <laughs> just to be sure, uh, can you hear this? Then just let's just test this. Test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm good. Here it comes. I was scared, but once I thought about it, I let her go. Everything she said to me, I guess I ought to know. We're all tired talk when it comes to shove. Put up, put out, or stay at home. We'll never be the same, never feel this way again. I'd give you anything, but you want pain. A little water, please, I taste you all over my teeth. <laughs> never again. Just tonight. Okay. Oh, that was oh, good. Oh, beautiful. Oh, man. I just want this to keep going. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't have any more hey, copy, I... but... Oh, man, that was good. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just like the music. <laughs> I love when we find new tracks from Lenora. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. Uh, now we can get into covers. I don't have my... I... I, I they definitely taper off. The best ones are up at the top. Yeah. But I've got some weird ones down at the bottom that I put there for a reason. <laughs> um, with some notes. So uh, if we haven't already cut to Patreon, on Patreon, we'll post all, we'll discuss all of these. Um, but maybe we'll discuss, should we start from the bottom and work our way up? <laughs> yeah, sure. If you want to, yeah. How many do you have? Want uh, lots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe 15. My goodness. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's go through them. Uh, Sky Dart with a four for the A and an underscore at the end. Uh, oh, it's a full band instrumental cover. I wondered if we could put the robot voice with this. Oh, well, I got it queued up if you're ready. Uh, yeah, I guess hit play as soon as you think it would come in. Cause it's a full band playing the full song instrumental. Right. Um, so, yeah, when, when the first first hits, just go ahead and hit play. So here we go. See how it lines up. I was scared, but once I thought about it, I let it go. <laughs> Everything she said to me, I guess I ought to know. Everything she said to me. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> put up, put Let's see out, if we can or get stay back at the home. chorus. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. We'll never be the same. Never feel this way again. I give you anything, but you want pain. A little. <laughs> a little water, please. I taste you all over my teeth. A little. <laughs> never again. Just tonight. Never. Okay. <laughs> it's it's not that as was easy great, to man. use 
as you would think. Yeah, I was I hoping imagine, that by yeah. pausing it at the end of that line, yeah, it would just it would continue. Just yeah, but no, it just redoes the line. <laughs> oh, a little bit of a remix. Let's see how, if let's see how or if they do the solo. Man, they're really going at it. Oh man. yeah, dude, he's got his, his legs spread open like he's playing the bass, ready to uh, you know fire fire his slap it is slap it into the crowd. So here is another full band cover: the Four Lies Four, maybe one uh, guitar and vocals is Fabio Canamella. Piano and second vocals is Paolo Scalora. Guitar is Gentano Riza. Drums are Mattia Bergio. Bass is Giuseppe Caruba. So I butchered all of their names, <laughs> but I think they're well, let's see how they play. sounded cool. <laughs> I love that synth. That sounds pretty cool. cool. I would love uh, just describing the the scene here. I don't know what they're what they're playing, but if it kind of reminds you of like like a uh, <laughs> like like a like a, a youth group church group playing here. Yeah. But if you could play music like this with that kind of the the lights going and all that and the and the fog machine, what an intense! You're almost it's it's like a a miniature live show that you're playing with your buddies yeah, here. The stage again, is insane. Yeah, it, I don't this know. This looks where like. Yeah, Guitar Center Hollywood had a room that was set up like this. Yeah. And I I always assumed that it was like so bands could go play there, but then they never did. So then they just always had like gear stacked up yeah. as if somebody was going to come. And then they would just stack more gear on it like no one would ever fit on the stage. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, one of the worst jobs I ever had, Guitar Center Hollywood. Um, This is a dark jazz cover. Um, I forget. Let me see who posted this. Bebopsky. Ah, what in the world is this? It's dark jazz, dude. Sounds like typo negative. Totally. I kind of dig the aesthetic of the video here. Me too. Rain falling. 
Looks like some Chill kind of coastal town. To. This reminds me of Chilled Cow. Man, that was weird. Wow. I liked it though. I'm gonna explore uh, Bebopovsky's and the orchestra Pod- Podiezjov. I'm gonna explore <laughs> that a uh, little bit more in depth. <laughs> Interesting. And then uh, finally, Westwood Links posted a cover on Reddit fairly recently. I think I have to send it directly to you because I. Oh no, I, I, I thought I copied the Reddit link instead of the um, YouTube link. But uh, I think this is a fairly recent upload. Uh, so Westwood links. Making sure it's recording, huh? I guess, yeah. Maybe it was a or clap he timed on the start. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like the tone of his. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the tone of his guitar best out of all of the other guitar covers that we've listened to. He either just moved into this apartment or is moving out of this apartment. Um, (laughs) One last f you to his uh, yeah neighbors. Yeah. Oh, sick. Oh, with the bendy. Pretty good, man. Pretty accomplished guitarist, man. So go ahead. Let's go back. Now Mm -hmm. that we're back in the regular episode, uh, that's the end of my covers. Unless you had anything else that you had. You had mentioned you had that acoustic cover. No, it was just the the same one that you had to come across. Okay, so we'll go back to Joe, our piano cover, and let that play us into final thoughts on uh, Jimmy Eat World's Just Tonight. Well, um, I gotta say, this uh, I, I came into this knowing that this is a, this is a strong second track um, off of my favorite album right now. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't disappoint. Even reading through the lyrics, I was a little bit... Uh, you know, it's a little jarring to read some of those lyrics, uh, and you think where where the the story could be going. But um, musically, sonically, this song rips, man. What do you think? I love seeing this side of Jim. Uh, I never considered the lyrics. I don't think much more. I mean, obviously, like I figured somebody went down on somebody with "I taste you all over my teeth." Right. Um, 
But like seeing Jim be so explicit is kind of cool. Like that's not a side of him you see all that often. Yeah. Um, and uh, outside of that, musically and the attitude that he sings with and everything, the song is such a jam. Uh, I will probably forget that Just Tonight is the name of this song, but I'll you always, mean, you mean always remember how much I love this song. <laughs> yeah, Pain Part 2. Um, uh, so yeah, um, we laughed, we cried, we digressed. Yeah, we went for three hours. Think, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, oh, uh, there's still some more time on this song. I did want to talk about a couple other things from housekeeping. Um, Pass Through Frequencies is still airing every Tuesday and Thursday. Great episodes. Tegan Quinn was today's episode. Uh, And uh, very excited to see who he's got on on Thursday. By the time this comes out, we'll know three more guests. Uh, Jim appeared on the Rock Sounds video call podcast to discuss the podcast. So he talks about just loving talking about the craft. And that's really what Pass Through Frequencies is all about. And... um, I do uh, keep listening like, oh my gosh, is he going to mention us at any point? And he probably will never will. (laughs) Um, And then uh, we got episode 50 coming up soon. And we talked about maybe hosting a Q&A section for that episode. So if anybody has any questions, they've uh, wondered about why we do what we do. uh, Get them in. by I think September 22nd uh, which is when we're scheduled to record that episode and uh, we'll do a little Q&A section and if you hear this sometime way in the future and this is all dated uh, you're three hours into a Jimmy World podcast so I mean what else (laughs) I don't know what to tell you maybe your life isn't going so great Uh. (laughs) Uh, and then we hinted at it uh, and three hours in let's go ahead and tease it a little bit Uh, Bill and Ted comes out on Friday and I think, uh, I don't know, if we'll do a commentary track. Uh, maybe we don't want to do something that long, but maybe we'll do a Patreon episode about our thoughts, and maybe that Patreon episode will go into the live public feed. Uh, just reactions to the whole trilogy as a whole. And, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Exciting things are coming up. Exciting things are afoot here on yeah. Jimmy Pod. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Joe, for this background music. Yeah. And uh, I think everybody should be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Ladies and gentlemen, since the beginning, Justin and I have sh- signed off every episode with be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. And randomly surfing facebook while waiting for my wife and son at a doctor's appointment i saw an old friend of mine laura shapiro had written the bill and ted's most excellent movie book the official companion so joining us on today's episode is laura shapiro thank you for coming on well thank you for having me it's really nice to uh talk to you after all this time i know and uh uh i mean uh i guess we sort of worked in uh, the entertainment uh realm and then we split paths and here you are working on an amazing new title uh and we just talked about it. it's a number one new release and uh and how it only has two ratings and three and a half stars but right this well, one person i'm looking at it one person did one person loved it and one person hated it so they split the difference. and that's what the whole franchise <laughs> is like i don't know yeah. what people expect from the franchise 
But Justin and I both have seen the film at this point mm-hmm. and absolutely loved it. I like logic out the window and I'm a huge back to the future fan. So like I can understand and, and appreciate the time travel factors. And it's so inconsequential to the story of the movie. Like even Alex and Keanu and all the press have said how important the story was. It's not yeah. about the, the technical, uh, 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 the fact that kid Cuddy in the film completely is always uh, spewing off all these technical jargon. It's so intentional that it's not important how the, uh, how, by the way, that technical jargon that we had, we had a quantum physicist who's at Caltech who consulted on the technical jargon. Oh, that's, that's incredible. And I'm sure it makes sense to people that understand, but then when, you know, you're watching it and, uh, and you hear the technical jargon, you just check out. But like the the new characters, everything's incredible. And I, my assumption is with the cover of the book having all three logos, this book is sort of a culmination of the entire yes. franchise. So yes. talk about how you got involved with this. Well, how I got involved with this is um, I back in the late 90s, I worked for the Writers Guild. That's how far back this goes. Okay. And one of the things that I did for them is that I edited a book about screenwriting, which was published. It's called The First Time I Got Paid for It, Writer's Tales from <laughs> Writer's Tales from the Hollywood Trenches. And there are 50 it, it was it was an amazing experience because I worked got to um interview and work with um over 50 major screenwriters who all talked about how they got involved, how they got their first break. And Ed Solomon was one of those people. And we became friends. And I started working with him. And I have worked with him on development and research and story editing and that kind of thing on pretty much all his projects, really actively since since 2013, but on and off throughout the entire 20-some years we've known each other. Wow. And so I have been involved in that capacity with the script for Bill and Ted Face the Music since they first started writing it. And uh, flash forward to actually just um, December, this past December, the publisher, Wellbeck Publishing, got the license to do this book. And it's about all three movies, not just the third one. And they reached out to Ed and, and asked him if he would participate. And he said, I want to know who's writing it. And they said, we don't have anybody else. And he said, I want to recommend somebody. Wow. And were you a fan of the franchise at this point? Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. And since before I met Ed, since right. the actual time that it came out, because I'm old. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and so, and I, by the time I got to the point of doing the book, I, I mean, I knew Ed, I knew Chris, uh, Ed very well. I, I, I worked with him on projects that he was writing with Chris Matheson. So I've known Chris for many years. I got to know Scott Krupp, who is the producer and was the producer starting with the first one. He's produced all three movies. And so I knew, I I knew people involved with it and I knew, um, and I had met Dean Pariseau, the director through Ed as well. And so it, we're doing the book. What I wanted to do was was tell the story of how the films got made, 
because it's actually an interesting story. The first film went through a lot of ups and downs before it got made. Companies went bankrupt. They stopped editing in the middle of post-production. Those stories are all in the book. Oh, that's cool. And in many ways, what happened with the first Bill and Ted is that it came together very much like an independent film of that era, even though it was technically a a studio film or I guess what would be considered a mini major, which isn't a term that's really used that much anymore, but it was back then. Uh It was with Orion. And uh, um, it was uh, it was made in the studio system. Initially, Warner Brothers had it, and then they put it into turnaround, and and other companies picked it, and other companies picked it up, and then it was made independently. Dino De Laurentiis Company. That's right. Picked it up, and then they went bankrupt <laughs> in the middle of post production. And one of the things about independent film is that. Every independent film comes together differently. How they get the money, how they put the, the, the team together, how they get it cast, how they get it off the ground. It, whereas a studio film, it's kind of like being a trust fund kid. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> right? All the money comes from one place and you don't really know, have to know how the sausage is made. Totally. And so the first film, though it technically ended up a studio film, came together, started at Warner Brothers in development as a studio film and then ultimately was released by a studio. In the actual making of it was very much like an independent film, which means it has its own unique story. And there were some great stories from that. And so we told that story. And then the second film really was like a studio film because the studio wanted a sequel and it all happened very fast. They were trying to capitalize on Mm -hmm. the popularity. There had been toys and Saturday morning cartoons and comic books and all the, every kind of merchandise you could possibly imagine. Um, And so it got really big. It, It got really big in a sort of, with kids, with young kids, the Saturday morning cartoons, the toys, the games. Yeah, including and, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you are not as old as I am. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then the third film, going back again, was again made like an independent film. Yeah. It, uh, and it was really rough to get it made. It was so frustrating. Because the studio didn't know the, the the MGM then so De Laurentiis went bankrupt and then ultimately Orion picked it up then Orion went bankrupt wow and that those properties changed hands and MGM ended up owning owning it owning the rights to do yeah the film that's so, right yeah so they wrote so Chris and Ed. Um, got together with Keanu and Alex in 2007. There was a barbecue at Alex Winter's house. Wow. And the four of them got together and grilled and talked about what a a third movie would look like. And they, they, they hit upon the idea for the basic idea for this film uh, which is kind of, in a way, Dickensian, right? They're going and visiting their former selves. It's kind of a, a, a little Christmas carol. Yeah. Like, right? And they love that idea. And the two guys, Keanu and Alex, and so Chris and Ed went back, went and wrote the script totally on spec for a, a, a property they no longer own. Oh, 
That's yeah. So the only way to get the movie made was to get MGM to agree to it. And for years, MGM said, we don't think there's an audience for this film. <laughs> and the reasons they said that were because they didn't have foreign sales comps mm. for the first two films. Yeah, making for movies now is very different in, than the 90s. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. For people not in the film business, films get financed even by the studios in large part based on worldwide box office, which means selling distribution rights to foreign territories. So you might sell uh, distribution to individual countries. You might sell it to um, areas like, for instance, Western Europe. So you, so France, Italy, and Germany are all bundled together, that kind of thing. Yeah. The problem with the first two movies is that they weren't actually released foreign, and there are no numbers. Because oh. what, what the foreign, they were minimally released, I think, just in the UK, the first one. And what... For how foreign sales are determined in terms of how much money they'll give you for a film is they, they do comps, kind of like in real estate. Mm -hmm. And they have numbers people who break down how much a similar movie made, and similar is kind of an arcane formula. In other <laughs> words, the fact that Keanu Reeves wanted to do this should have made it in many people's minds a no-brainer because he's got huge foreign numbers in almost everything he does. He, yeah. he is, a, is a worldwide star. And he's particularly popular in Asia, Asia, which is one of the most important markets. And so one would expect that he could get anything made. It didn't turn out to be, the, be that easy. Yeah. And uh, because they had no comps, they couldn't put together a model that said a film of this genre with these stars, similar uh, with this budget. Yeah. Uh, will com comparable properties have made this much money? So it was really hard to do the foreign sales. And we all knew that there was a huge audience for it. They knew it anecdotally. They knew that every time Keanu would go on a promotional tour for any film that he, he'd do, somebody, in a, some reporter would ask him about when's, when is there going to be a third Bill and Ted film. Yeah. Ed Solomon goes on, does a lot of conferences and film festivals and things like that where he does panels and talks. He always gets asked about. Yeah. We knew because we knew people we knew we knew the popularity online we knew the fan base online alex winter has all of these stories because he's very uh, accessible to the fans yeah online because he's a very digital guy um and uh, none of those stories and those anecdotes were really good enough and ultimately it um it it got we got through to them and they agreed to make the movie but it took years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, I'm such a and fan of the made, franchise. The movie was made for very little money. And so a lot of corners had to be cut. Yeah. But, and even my wife said, like, Keanu didn't need to do this movie. He wanted to do this movie yeah. and enjoys the yeah. character and enjoys the ride so much. It didn't matter, like, yeah. to him. And it's also, and he said this in, did you see the Kevin Smith Comic-Con panel? Yes. At one point, you remember Keanu said, and he was really eloquent about it, about how much he loves working with Alex. Yeah. 
and how much he loves inhabiting the character. And and so it very much was about he and Alex working together again, too. And their relationship, their friendship, the way they work together. Yeah, I remember they reading... They both talked about a lot in the book <laughs> as well. I feel like I read an article about them hanging out in the early 2000s in Santa Monica and they went to a coffee shop and it just happened to be Halloween or something and people thought they were cosplaying like because they were together um <laughs> uh-huh. well there's a, there, there's another story that that um ed so bill and ted started with ed solomon and chris matheson who were friends in college at ucla and this is in the early 80s um 83 and they were doing it they were they had an improv group and it, it was an improv prompt. Yeah. Two guys who are bad at history, teenagers who are bad at history. Great <laughs> report. And so Ed and Chris, they basically, they performed it. They were, you know, Ed was doing stand up at the time. So he was a performer and Chris is, and, and he and Chris were, they did it as kind of a improv stand up routine. And so they really, inhabited those characters and then when they they ultimately handed it off to keanu and alex right yeah and this they but and the story is that ed and chris were not involved with the casting so they did not know who keanu and alex were they didn't know what they looked like and they were it was like the first day of shooting or the day before and they're in arizona where they shot a lot of it and they're online at McDonald's and Keanu and Alex were in front of them in line and just sort of riffing off each other. <laughs> and Ed and Chris saw them and they said, that's what Bill and Ted should be like. Oh, that's awesome. And they did not know. And they all swear, all four of them swear this is a true story. It kind of sounds a little right. too good to be true, but they all <laughs> swear it's a true story. <laughs> hey, it's fun to have lore around these things. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good lore. It is, <laughs> and, and and it's you know the third the film is always the, these films have always these they are. Alex Winter said said this used the term sweet natured. Yep, and he was actually talking in many ways about the Bill and Ted fans. He said because the films are sweet natured, the fans tend to be sweet. Mm. That people who have people who are drawn to these characters are people who have a similar kind of heart. Oh, yeah, I can see that for sure. It, it And like I said at the beginning, it's like the people who understand this franchise mm-hmm. get it. And I'm I'm on a couple like general use forums and the Bill and Ted thread is full of 50 people that absolutely were not let down by this movie. And one person mm-hmm. was like, eh, it wasn't for me. But like. I don't know that they really loved the franchise. They didn't even say anything about it, but everybody else said that this last film was everything they wanted to be and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even I, like I was very worried in, in, in the best way because I loved the first film and even the second film I watched a couple weeks ago. And it, not only did I know most of the lines, but it was way better than I remembered. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I was scared that that like, oh, if it's not great, like I can always just say, oh, it doesn't matter. The first one's great. But it was it was it was the best. It was done with the best intentions, which made Mm -hmm. it the best product 
Uh, yes. As opposed to the studio, like, thank God the studio said there was no audience for it. Right. Imagine they... Well, they actually wanted to do a reboot with new new actors oh. from Bill and mm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, you know, speaking of young people playing Bill and Ted, how great is Samara and... Oh, Bridget? so good. So great. They are just wonderful. Yeah, even the Comic-Con panel, hearing how they were generally unfamiliar with the... Yeah with the property uh and doing their own research and uh following them around to really kind of nail down their Mm -hmm. mannerisms it sort of reminded me of bridget uh, so so got keanu's physicality in that role oh absolutely the way she holds her arms yeah it's just great (laughs) the arms are somehow (laughs) anti-gravity like (laughs) yeah 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 exactly Um, and it's funny because uh it reminds me of in the second film when they uh inhabit the dad and the other guy at the police mm-hmm. station exactly. and like also get imitated. It's really fun. Like seeing, seeing uh, how iconic the mannerisms and characters are. Yes. Um, yes. yes. And, and you know, the, they're, I mean, Keanu and Alex are both so talented as actors and, and, and they're very physical. Yeah. And so, you know, John Wick's physicality is nothing like Ted. <laughs> yeah. Ted's physicality totally and uh, and you know uh, alex has been acting since he was a tiny little kid yeah he was a broadway star when he was a oh kid. i didn't realize that like i think of yeah. things like uh uh i can't think of the other uh, freaks and then uh, right but uh, that's freaks lost was boys. after bill and ted and lost oh. boys was right lost boys was right before and freaks was after. oh i didn't realize freaks um, was after no yeah. he was a child actor mm. on elite actor on Broadway. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh he has some interesting stories about that. And the, well, I'm excited the, to see the, he's got that uh yeah. is it the the documentary that's coming yeah, out about so child actors and says, yeah. 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 And and uh and I can and Zappa, which is his new documentary that's gonna come out soon, which I am very excited about. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, because it was done with the Zappa family with full access to the Z- all of Zappa's archives and everything. Oh, that is neat. That's always the best type of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, Alex has become, you know, has gone into being a full-blown filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But his acting is wonderful and uh, in this. Yeah, it was and, so fun seeing him back well, on the screen. You know, and and I can tell this story because it, there's been an um, an interview done about it. Um, there was a screening in the editing room really early on, like before there were no effects, all temp music and temp sound effects, that kind of thing. Um, and S- Steven Soderbergh was in town, so he came. And oh. after afterwards, and Steven is an executive producer on on Bill and Ted Three, which he came to through his Ed Solomon has done now three projects with Stephen and I've worked on all those three projects with both of them. So, um, and that's why Stephen got involved with Bill and Ted because the same frustrations that we felt about, felt about why is this film not being made? Stephen felt, and he tried to get, he got into the mix and tried to, and worked on talking people into it basically nice. as, yeah. as an executive producer. And so he was in town and he was in the editing room walking out afterwards. He, he said, you know, 
Alex Winter's acting was a revelation or something along those lines. It's a direct quote, but he said he adored Alex's acting. And there's an interview with Stephen, I think it's on Mm IndieWire.com, where he talks about that. He talks about the fact that he wants Alex to be part of his his, uh, go-to group of actors. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of, like, what's the theater term? Um... Uh, his yeah, review yeah. or written, something like that but but i mean and alex hasn't acted in years so that and Stephen is you know of course known for all the great actors who always want to work with him and getting great performances out of people and and has a very unique way of doing that because he's his own dp yeah right right and, and so he's not across the room he's right next to them with the camera mm-hmm. and and so it's a very you know close literally physically close relationship and i which is so great because i uh i think i i I would love to see alex ask act more yeah and that's when you started working on the book i feel like you hadn't seen the film yet so you're going off of reading the script and actually i had seen rough cuts oh good okay I, i i saw several different um rough cuts when they were edited. Oh, so okay. So you were, you were very much involved in all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I had, I, you know, I had been, you know, and, and I had spent time with Dean and, you know, after the first time I went to the editing room, we all went out to dinner and, and kind of got drunk and hung out <laughs> with Dean and Dean and, and Ed and a couple of other people. And, you know, they, they told stories from the set and it was, you know, so I'd already heard, a number of really, really great stories about things that had happened on the set. So when I started doing the book, I said, well, you know that story Dean told when we were all getting drunk? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You're you're keeping the gears turning. (laughs) Right, exactly. And and the great, you know, the great thing about that, about the way I got to do the book is because I had those relationships, I just was given all the actors, except for Keanu, who has movie star. Yeah protections around him so i had to, i went through his publicist to to do an interview with him but everyone else was just like oh yeah here's their phone number here's their email <laughs> you know i'll email it you know but dean and ed both just gave me all of their information and and i reached out to stephen herrick who directed the first film through his agent and oh, we had a wonderful awesome. interview he told me great stories couldn't get peter hewitt it was the pandemic and yeah. you know i left several messages for his agent and couldn't get through and and i because it was the pandemic i kind of just got to a point where I can't chase people down anymore. If they respond to me, they respond to me. If they don't, I have enough. Yeah. You know, and because yeah. I had a lot, right. And, and, and it was just too hard because offices were closed and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, with, with the people who I was able to, and so I got a great interview with Stephen Herrick where he talked about all kinds of crazy things that happened on on the first film like when they went bankrupt in the middle of editing they were like they were like sneaking all the all the reels and all the cuts out of the editing room oh that's because cool. they were afraid that somebody like they they wouldn't pay the bill at the editing facility and they would and so they would lock up their 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 materials yeah, yeah. right uh, and so there was some sort of guerrilla um tactics oh that's so fun i can't wait <laughs> to read it on. 
Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so we could tie this into the band. Uh, yes. The band is Jimmy Eat World. The song is yes. Just Tonight. Like, uh, 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 everything happens in the uh, face of the music at 7.17 p.m. So everything is right. Just Tonight is very important to the, the yeah, story. No, I, really, I really liked it. it was, oh, good. It, it, it really sounded great. And I was thinking, this is very sort of Bill and Ted type music. It's guitar rock. Yeah, and especially, yeah, this the album that, uh, that comes from came out in 2003. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, was a big follow-up. It, it, it was kind of like, uh, you know, having to come up with something after clarity and bleed American. So in, in the sense, a lot of people consider futures to be sort of the beginning of something new, but also the mm-hmm. end of like, you have these two amazing seminal rock records. How do you follow it up? And just tonight is a song from futures, which was how they answered that. And is a lot of people's favorite Jimmy world records. How, how familiar yeah. with the band, were you before I sent you that track? What five minutes before we started talking? <laughs> really, not much at all. Okay. I, I mean, I've heard of them, but wasn't haven't been a fan or listened much. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, that's totally fine. But yeah, I think that's yeah. really fun. I think maybe I'll do. I I do a lot of like little edits uh, that I put up with the episodes, and maybe I'll do right. a Bill and Ted montage with just yeah. tonight. That would be a fun thing to do. Um, that would be fun. That would be fun. You should do that. Is there? Uh, we can yeah. always give Jeff Bezos money if that's uh, the easiest and best <laughs> way. But is there a preferred place that you would want people to purchase this book? Um, or you would recommend people purchase this book? I believe in supporting independent booksellers. Yes. Yeah, so, and yes, so, if you can get to so one. If, if the book, I don't. I, I I don't have a lot of information about how well distributed it is to independent booksellers. Yeah. Um, so, but if your favorite independent bookseller has it, buy it from them because they need the. Absolutely. Help. And, and I love that. Uh, it's fun to see. I mean, it's fun, but also like very difficult and, and, and uh, frustrating to see them all scramble to get into the online market and turning their, brick and mortars yeah. into uh uh online online retailers um yeah yeah it's it's, it's difficult in a lot of businesses i mean with what we're all going through a lot of businesses are being changed yeah and da- damaged and changed and or changed absolutely by, so, by office. yeah uh, of course uh, and, giving uh, jeff bezos you know, money film- is the easiest way to cop the book but uh right <laughs> also right Giving just Bezos money. I know Barnes and Noble also has it. Yes. If you want to go, uh, and I don't know which independent booksellers have it, but and so one would have to check. But I'm sure people who you could, it, it would be easy enough to do a Google search and yeah. see. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll put a Barnes and Noble yeah. link in the thing instead of a uh, uh, an Amazon link in the description of the show notes for this episode. Yeah, so everybody you know, can go. Purchase the book. I'm very excited to read it. Yes, um, yes. I'll. Say, I, I. I need to send you a copy. Oh, that would be terrific. And, uh, and and it's also the other thing I would say about this film is that it certainly wasn't written to be this, but it took on a much deeper, more profound meaning because of everything we're going through. I I think that's the perfect description because uh, without giving too much away. The last lines of the film mm-hmm. are so poignant. And even my wife, like who is like uh, very much like and it has nothing to do with the third film. She does this when I watch Excellent or Bogus. 
Um, she was like, you know, I'm watching this for you, right? But the last line of the film and even the credit sequence, she was like, no, this was very well done. And like the perfect, and that's the other thing I hear about the film is that it's the perfect film specifically for this year because it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's so uniting and it's so um, positive. Like you can't even be bad at uh, 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 um, Dennis Caleb McCoy. Like, <laughs> Oh, oh, my well, favorite new character. I mean, can we can we talk a little bit about? Please, Andrew please, yeah. I don't care if this goes long. Oh my god! There's a, gr- there's a great story about the story about him. This is one of the stories that came up in those in uh, in um uh, in those um editing room screenings uh-huh. that I attended. There was one one of the screenings that we did. There were uh, we had gathered together a group of young people who in the criteria was these were people early 20s and that they had never seen either of the first two films. Okay. Wanted to see how the film would play to that audience. Yeah, that's smart. And they were, it turned out because of how they were recruited, they were all actors. Uh Uh (laughs) (laughs) A very good looking young crowd. Sure, yeah. And uh, and really nice and really smart, and they asked really great questions afterwards when we did the Q and A. And because they were actors, they asked about acting, and so they one of them asked about Anthony about the restrictiveness of the costume mm. that Anthony wears as the robot. And Dean said, you know, when they made the costume they got his 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 measurements wrong and he's six feet tall and they were told he's 511 so the suit was an inch too short (laughs) and so when they found this out in fittings you know it's a movie that was stressed about uh, money and this you know it it was tight with money etc but of course they would have redone the suit but he asked anthony you know do you want to you know, do you want us to fix this? And he said, no, actually, I think I could, I'm going to work with it. (laughs) And so he was literally in physical pain. Oh man. Not to mention how hot it was because they were shooting in new Orleans in a hundred plus degree weather. And so (laughs) when I interviewed and, and I thought this is a really interesting conversation about how, about the interaction between actors and costuming and prosthetic makeup and the the craft of all of those things and how they work together. Yeah. So I was able to interview and Alex Winter by the way loves working in prosthetic makeup. I could tell, yeah. Well, freaked, right? Yeah. Well, well and he he did a really good um a photo series on Instagram uh, the week before the movie came out. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. And I feel like at least three of the dedicated posts were all about the makeup. Uh, oh, he just loves it. And yeah. Bill Corso, who won the Academy Award for, for um, uh, um, Benjamin Button. Right, 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 right. Did the prosthetics. They He all he did, he did the prosthetic makeup. He did it for um, uh, the Bill and Ted uh, for the for Boga's Journey, yeah. where Alex plays his the evil grandma. grandmother, yeah. right? And he did it for Freaked because he and Alex became really good friends. Yeah, and he did it for this movie, and so I was able to talk to Bill, and I was able to talk to Kevin Yeager, who who did who's a, you know one of the great um, prosthetic makeup uh-huh. model makers uh, in the business for decades and decades, and Kevin also did Station. Oh yes, Love Station. 
<laughs> and still has, I'm told, um, the station, various station suits <laughs> around his studio, just hanging out. Station oh, that's cool. Out. And, um, and, and so I was able to talk with them. And then they told me um, they hired, uh, they found this other guy who's fairly young and starting out named Steve Wang. And Steve designed, specifically designed the robot suit. Oh, and his that's neat. And um, and and so Kevin and Bill brought in Steve to do that because it was a very specific kind of thing that they knew Steve was good at. And Steve's a relatively young guy. I mean, Kevin and Bill are, you know, very established, obviously. Yeah. And so I went uh, when I went to talk to Anthony about it, about about it, I, uh, I, I, I wanted to address this idea of acting technique. How do you work? within this and what's the dynamic between this kind of costuming that that is more than just the costume itself but is actually almost a character in mm -hmm. and of itself and so he was really wonderful about that he's very uh, articulate about the craft of acting and he had some really and that's in the book and he had some really great things to say and I knew the moment I saw his performance, I was like, he's going to be the breakout character Yeah, it, about it, this. It's kind of like William Sadler playing death. Exactly. Right? Oh my God. William Sadler was so good in this movie. And obviously really? like in my head, I'm like, okay, they're all older now. How's it going to be? Did not miss a goddamn beat. No. And there's no, an extra no. that came with my digital uh, copy of uh, him mm -hmm. doing a cribs episode of his uh, apartment. <laughs> uh in hell and my wife was my wife even while she was watching the movie said oh man he's got a really nice view <laughs> um but yeah oh man the first yeah. time he sort of like second guessed lasering the dad mm -hmm. i was like oh that was pretty funny and then it just yes. got better from there and it oh man <laughs> yeah i mean he gets such subtlety of characterization in that you know full-on you know, makeup, exactly. suit, etc. <laughs> so, wow. I'm so glad we geeked out on Dennis Cable McCoy a little yes. bit uh, because yes. <laughs> I watched it before Justin, my co-host, did. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, shit, dude. <laughs> this character is so good. And I'm so glad they didn't give it away in any yes. of the trailers, in any of the yes. marketing. That was actually really important. They, oh, they man. wanted to keep it completely under wraps. Oh, and, it was so good. And, you know, I was already a fan of Anthony's from Barry. Oh, I is mean, that what he's from? Who, okay. who doesn't love Noho Hang? <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I still have to finish Barry. And he was also Barry, on yeah. Gotham. He oh, had, okay, had cool. a great reoccurring role on Gotham. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a pretty nice filmography for, you know, someone who's kind of just starting out but doing really in incredible work. Oh, man, what a great uh, addition to the cast. Yeah, um, yeah, man. yeah. And the daughters. Yes. The other thing, and you'll relate to this, and this is, I know, I, I know we've gone on a little long, but oh, yeah, you'll, re you'll relate to this. Both Ed and Chris are fathers, and I don't know Chris as well as I know Ed, but Ed is uh, deeply into being a father to his children, who are now relatively grown. His, da his daughter's a sophomore in college, and his son's uh, graduated college a year or two ago. Uh, but, you know, he was, you know, uh, uh, he, he 
was a single dad after he got divorced and the kids lived with him and he took care, takes care of them. And he's very, very involved in being a father. Yeah. And this is very much about that emotionally. It's about that relationship between fathers and, 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 the, and, and daughters mm. in many ways, uh, particularly. Absolutely. Yeah. And, they, and and it's so the relationship is so wonderful between them in the film. I mean, it's it's kind of almost an idealized relationship. It's like the, the children have no resentments against their parents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, and the fear know. of, you know, they keep getting threatened with your daughters. They don't even talk to you anymore. Um, yeah. Is real in the film. That's a good that's a yeah. that's an important yeah. uh, sticking point. Well, yeah. I really want to thank you for taking the time tonight uh, to welcome. chat Bill and Ted. Um, yes. And uh, I think it apropos uh, that we sign off the show once again with be excellent to each other. Absolutely. Be excellent to each other and party on, dude. <laughs> Thank, 